Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. podcast from the International Motorsports Association and Radio Show Limited. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio. Speedway on a beautiful Saturday afternoon with a little high cotton wool cloud and a pit lane that is full of 19 LMP3 cars. The dark motorsportless days of winter are over and we're ready to go racing for the IMSA 2019 season, a season that has particular significance for the International Motorsports Association. They were formed in 1969, do the arithmetic, it's their golden anniversary this coming season. And we started all off at Daytona International Speedway. When you said back in the past, in the distant past, that you were racing at Daytona, it meant you were on sand because you were racing on Daytona Beach. And then this facility was built. And amazingly enough, endurance racing has always been a part of this facility. So it's entirely appropriate this banner year for IMSA is starting here at Daytona Speedway. And the cars that will get us underway have been a real crowd pleaser over the last few years. It is the first round of the IMSA Prototype Challenge. It's their longest race of the season and it's live next here on IMSA Radio. IMSA Radio, your route to American sports car racing. And we've got a new voice to introduce to you, which we'll do in a moment. But while some things change, some things stay the same. And calling this race with Brian Till, who you'll hear from in a moment, is Jeremy Shaw, who has the grid for you. He'll run you down the cars and drivers that will take place in our first race, take part in our first race of 2019. The Scouts of America three hours will kick off the 2019 racing season right here at Daytona International Speedway round one of the IMSA Prototype Challenge. 19 cars, all LMP3 cars this season, the MPCs consigned to history. At the back of the grid, it was a wet qualifying session yesterday. Several cars did not go out either because they elected not to because of the very wet conditions or because they had some mechanical problems that needed fixing from the earlier session. So, starting 19th on the grid, in car 47 for 47 motorsports is Rodrigo Fluca from Peru. Row 9 of the grid on the outside, car number 86 for one motorsports, one of the all bronze drivers lineups uh, of uh, drivers of a certain vintage. Uh, it'll be Paul LaHaye that will start at number one, mo the number 86, one Motorsports Ligier. Alongside him, Bruce Hamilton III in car number 60, that's a Wolver Racing Ligier. Two more Ligiers on row eight, Leo Lamellas from Brazil in car number four for Anderson Motorsports. Another all bronze entry for P1 Motorsports, car number 70 is Joel Janko. None of those uh, final six cars, five cars actually, took a qualifying run yesterday. 
On row seven, the 14th position on the grid, car number two is John Brownson in a Ligier for Anson Motorsports. Alongside him, Brad Baker in number 19, Performance Tech Motorsports Ligier. His teammate in car number seven, Blake Mount, will start in the 12th position. Alongside Mo Smith in car number 11 for Sim Ray Motorsports, another Ligier. Two more Ligiers on row five, Keith Grant for Polestar Motor Racing Inc. in car number 40 and Lance Wilsey in car number 33 for Sean Creech Motorsports. Row four of the grid on the outside, Ben Waddell in number 74-47 Motorsports Norma M30. Alongside him, another Performance Tech Motorsports Ligier JSP3, car number 75, James French. Third row, outside, Nico Riga from Houston, Texas from for 47 Motorsports, another Norma in car number 55. Alongside the veteran Alex Barron, making his return to professional racing in car number 64 for K2R Motorsports, another Ligier. Row two of the grid on the outside from Canada, Aaron Povoledo, car number 25 for Conquest Racing. Good to see that name back in the top level motorsports in a Ligier JSP3. Third on the grid in the Alianza Gilbert Motorsports Norma M30, car number 23, Anthony Simoni. On the front row, another Norma for Robillard Racing, running in conjunction with Mulner Motorsports. Car number 10 will be started by Stephen McAleer. And on the pole position, making his debut in the LMP3 cars in this country at least, is Garrett Grist in car number 51. That's a K2R Motorsports Ligier JSP3. That is our 19 car starting lineup. Thank you, Jeremy, and welcome to Brian Till. Brian, welcome to the Radio Show Limited and IMSA Radio team. Couldn't have a better day for it, to be honest. Could not have a better day for it. Could not have a better day. Absolutely gorgeous. Think of what we were looking at yesterday just before qualifying. Sheets of rain coming down. You couldn't see half a mile, and today I think the visibility in the distance, it's it, it's, it, it's to infinity i mean you can see to the horizon just a few clouds yeah and beyond <laughs> i mean it's spectacular it's warmer today they should have good track temperature but the air temperature still on the comfortable side right about 70 so engines should produce good horsepower and with the humidity level the way it is good aerodynamics good downforce i'm going to ask a question which i think is probably impossible to answer <laughs> at this stage of the season um I'm not going to ask you for a winner, but I'll tell you what, I'll make it easier. What have you What have you seen so far and what have you thought so far about this LMP3 category? You, you, me? Yes. You sure you want to know? Yes. Do we have time? Yes. All right. You've got a minute. <laughs> In that case, start with me. I think it's great. Yes. Brian? Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> Quite Jeremy honestly. Short in short answer, short. Yeah, yeah. That's a way to start the season. He just wants me to go long, as usual. I walked through the garage down there, and I'm impressed with the cars. I'm impressed with the teams. I've been impressed with the drivers. We watched qualifying yesterday in the wet. A couple of spins, but nobody ever left the racing surface. So I think the driving standards have been spectacular. And you look at the car. It is a real race car, 180 miles an hour. They're talking about even going to more horsepower next year. It produces, like I said, <laughs> great downforce. I think 3,000 pounds of downforce somewhere right in there. So it's got great aerodynamics, good grip. The Michelin tires are consistent, cost-effective. When you look at the budgets to run, I, I want to go buy one. Yeah. If I was making as much money as John, I, I would. 
It's 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 That's quite it, funny. It is, it, it's a great <laughs> series, and and you know the, the driver talk about the tyres in in qualifying. Yes, in those wet conditions, the drivers love those Michelin tyres, and they say they are very consistent through a race stint as well, John. Quick final question in our keys to the race section, Jeremy. Fuel. Um, we I I can't get a straight answer from anybody. Well, I've got several answers. Most of them reckon they can run somewhere between 57 minutes and 62 minutes on a tank of fuel, which you're going to need to do in order to make this race on just two pit stops. However, there was one team down there. I'm not going to say which one it, which one it is for now. I will do later, I, I promise. Uh, they reckon they can run an hour and 15 minutes. So how on earth are they going to do that? I really don't know, unless they've got an auxiliary fuel tank on there, which is not supposed to be uh, uh, part of the uh, makeup of these cars. But it, it's it, basically the answer is around about an hour. So uh, strategies at pit stops is going to be absolutely critical to the outcome of this race. And most of the teams are hoping, at least, for some sort of yellow uh, caution period to allow them to extend their fuel windows a little bit. And it's all coming up next, live, here on IMSA Radio and IMSA TV. This is RS2. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the World Centre of Racing. This is Daytona, and this is the start of the 50th anniversary season for IMSA as an organising body. And the... Winter is pretty much over. Daytona International Speedway, Daytona Beach, Florida. This is where speed lives, right here. And it will kick off the IMSA season with the IMSA Prototype Challenge on the infield circuit. Just over three and a half miles. Action areas at turn one. The two horseshoes on the infield. The kink, blindingly quick in these cars. But watch out for some overtaking manoeuvres at the bus stop. And then the big draft through Speedway 3 and 4 and across the line in the Tri-Oval. It's a 19-car uh, field of LMP3s, just one class this year. And that is going to make for some very interesting racing the engines have been fired down there on the pit lane taking you through the three hours of the scouts of america imsa season opener for their 50th anniversary year jeremy shaw and our new recruit to imsa tv and imsa radio welcome brian till what an honor to call this race today you Think about the 50th anniversary of IMSA. And, Jeremy, these drivers and teams in the prototype challenge category, they get to kick off the 50th anniversary season with this race here. Cars pulling out of pit lane now, three and a half miles around this Daytona International Speedway. And these cars seem to be so well suited for this racetrack. Yeah, it is so cool, isn't it? And uh, we've got a good uh, mix. There's only, there's only two of the uh, eligible LMP3 cars are actually here this weekend. But it's interesting to see uh, three Normas and three Ligiers make up the top six positions on the grid. So that would uh, suggest there's not much to choose between them. And these prototype challenge cars look very similar to the prototypes that you see in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, both the DPI and the P2 prototype. They're basically their little brothers, 180 miles an hour top speed, great downforce, good braking, Michelin tires, and the consistency that we've seen through those Michelin tires has been stunning. Say that again, 180 miles an hour. I mean, that, that is serious speed. And you know, for a lot, quite a few of these drivers, you know, you know, most of them have driven fast cars before, but these are seriously quick, particularly around the banking here. And in those wet conditions yesterday, that was a bit of a test for some of these guys. Some of them even elected not to go out for qualifying. But now it's dry conditions. They haven't really had an awful lot of, uh, of practice time this weekend because yesterday... 
there were some red flag stoppages in in the first session in particular, I gather, which I was actually running around the paddocks, so I didn't really see much. Uh, and then the second session, uh, there was, I think, one stoppage as well. So nobody's got an awful lot of track time here. And then, of course, the qualifying session, which was only 15 minutes, was wet as well. So a lot of drivers going into this race with not a lot of track time uh, prior to uh, this uh, the start of this race. And several drivers in the field, not a lot of experience well, in prototype true. machinery e anyway. And think about it. We say kind of the, the little brother to the prototypes in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Also think about FIA driver rankings, and they go from platinum to gold to silver to bronze mine would actually be rust and we actually have a car that just spun coming out of the kink on the pace lap but talk about those driver ratings you have to be silver or bronze nothing higher than silver or bronze to run in the prototype challenge category and that just shows you this this is a stepping stone series to the big leagues that's another spinner isn't it that's yep, number 55 that's car. That's uh, that's Nico Riga, 20-year-old from Houston, Texas. He won last year's MX-5 Global Cup Series, the Mazda MX-5 Series, and with it won a, a, the uh, the Mazda Road to 24 scholarship, which has enabled to move uh, him to move up into the prototypes. That's a big jump from an uh, Mazda uh, MX-5 to an LMP3 prototype Norma M30, and uh, Nico spun it down there. He's got not got an awful lot of laps this weekend. He's one of the drivers that doesn't have a lot of laps. Actually, his older brother, Timo, with whom he was be sharing a car, has got precisely four laps under his belt this weekend. All of four laps, and think about it, too. I said the temperature probably right around 70 degrees. That's relatively cool. These Michelin racing slicks need temperature. They need pressure to have grip. Cars do not have traction control, so as they're warming these tires up in and out of the throttle a little bit, you get that rear wheel spinning because of too much horsepower. That big 5-liter V8 in yeah. the back of these chassis can spin those tires up and <laughs> around you go. Around you go. We've seen two people do it already. One through the kink. That'll have got his attention. And then Nico there coming out of the, uh, the slower at West Horseshoe, but uh, they're all present and correct. I think everybody got going again. They can make up their correct grid positions. So we're beginning to line up now two by two as they go around NASCAR banking, ready for the start of this three-hour race. And as the cars line up, getting ready for the start, you see the safety car, the pace car pulling away a bit. It'll be interesting to see. You've got to be careful down into turn one. We talk about cool tires, heavy braking as they're going to accelerate down here and drop off of the super speedway into turn one. You've got to be careful not to lock those brakes. Gosh, they're going slowly through three and four, Brian. Yeah, I Garrett Grist has really backed the pace off. You can... Pace car is almost into pit lane already, and Grist just crawling along outside that black and yellow number 51, that brightly colored, multicolored blue number 10. Stephen McAleer behind the wheel there. He will start. He'll hand over to Kitten Cook, and then he'll finish on the third stint. Three hours this race is, so if you made that mistake, you have to put it behind you there at the start. And if you didn't qualify yesterday, that's okay. You'll start at the back, but you've got three hours to make it up. Grist crawling, very slow pace, looking for the green flag, starter looking down, getting to pit in and expect these V8s to come to life at the drop of the green. There it is, and Grist with a huge jump over McAleer and up the inside. Anthony Simone in that burgundy car looks to the inside, heavy braking into one. McAleer stays on the outside in the blue number 10. Can he hold it, Jeremy? 
Yeah, maybe just about. He's go, they're going to go through, side by oh. through. There's a kink there. There's a kink there, isn't there? That right and left bit, uh, which which we saw that uh, the uh, Macaulay was able to get that jump and up into second place. You know, uh, the stewards are not going to be very happy with that start. The, the the drivers are told they must maintain pace car speed. Are they not on that pace up before, as they come up to the green flag? Clearly, it would appear to me that Chris didn't do that. I think there might be a bit of a, a, a tongue wagging going on there. But anyhow, it was a clean start, and it is Garrett Grist that leads from Stephen McAleer. And everybody has gotten through the first several corners. Remember, it was the kink and the West Horseshoe that created the problems on the pace lap. But Garrett Grist, and then a little lockup. Like the fifth place car back in there, the 55 perhaps of Nico Rieger with a little lockup on the front in the breaking zone of turn six and Grist with a big jump as they get onto the trial. And it was wet yesterday, so you were talking about during the qualifying session, they would have had to dial the brake pressure to the back of the car yesterday. There's no warm up to get ready for this race. No, just that one out exploratory lap before the start race. So they've got to get that brake, brake balance set again before the start. Remember, on a prototype car, a race car, you can move braking force to the front or back. And what Jeremy was talking about, in the rain, you don't transfer as much weight under braking. You don't have good as good a braking capability. And so you've got to adjust your brake bias towards the rear a little bit without that opportunity to get everything set perfectly. It's going to take a few laps to get brake bias set. The other question is, Jeremy, very different racetrack than these guys have been in all weekend long. That heavy rain yesterday has washed a lot of the Michelin rubber off. Some of it was put back down with some practice sessions earlier today. And Gris now with lockup into one. But there, it's going to take a 74 car that took a, a, a big dive to the inside. That was Ben Waddell trying to find a way uh, past uh, Lance Wilsey in car number 33. Ben Waddell in number 74. He uh, started in the eighth position, actually lost the place on that opening lap, did uh, Ben Waddell, the youngster from Colorado. Talking to him just a little while ago, he had a good run going yesterday in qualifying. Unfortunately, he, 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 he had a lot of traffic on his final lap, so wasn't able to improve. And the track condition was certainly getting better in the closing minutes of that session yesterday. So he didn't qualify as well as he liked. He would have liked it, Ben Waddell, but he's looking to make some ground in the early stages. And he's putting the pressure on the 33 of Lance Wilsey right now, trying to get that position, trying to move forward. It's interesting when you look at the driver pairing in the 74 car, Ben Waddell and Wyatt Schwab, they weigh 100 pounds different yes. than each other. Yes. Ben uh, looks like a, a fullback, which yes. he actually played in yes. high school, and Wyatt, a hundred pounds a, lighter. Yeah, gymnast. several inches like shorter. A gymnast. Yeah. He's five foot two. Is is uh, is uh, is Wyatt Schwab and uh, five foot two against? Well, he claims to be six foot, but I guess he's about six foot. His bend, but he's certainly solidly built. Good move in to the bus stop. You see the forty moving forward. Keith Grant sharing that car with his brother. And both of them, a lot of experience in the Formula Atlantic category, talking to Jim Griffith, who manages and owns that team with his wife, Pam. And he said, it's really funny. David is faster in the Atlantic car, but Keith seems to be faster in the prototype. They really like the way that prototype feels, and he's able to wheel it around. 74 now coming under attack. And Fluker, teammate in the 47. And a slow-moving car there. Was that the 40? In turn one, a little wide, dropped back. The 74, the 47, 33 all got by. You'll see some tire smoke. These cars do not have anti-lock brakes. We talked about that earlier. 
and getting that break bias sorted right now is going to be key. You don't want to lock those front brakes, any brake for that matter, but you don't want to lock the fronts for any period of time. You'll get what's known as a flat spot. And when the tire rolls to that flat spot, it'll stay, lock up again, and it just creates an ever-increasing problem. And then the vibration gets to the point where you can't drive the car anymore. So these guys have to be a bit careful. It is number 11 of Mo Smith. He must have had a spin on that to second lap. So he's way down at the back of the pack, almost a half a lap down, but he is still running again. Didn't seem to be any damage on that Sim Raceway Motorsport car. It's a new team to this championship for 2019. One thing that this category does, though, is it breeds some great racing as Fluker now beginning to put the pressure and has now gotten by, we'll see, in the 33. Cars seem to be so even. Two different chassis out there right now, the Ligier and the Norma, the 33, that beautiful white with the blue and red highlights on it is one of the Ligier chassis. And you'll hear the drivers say that they feel like the Norma might be a little faster in a straight line, a little more difficult to draft off of. And there are four Normas, five Normas, I should say, in the field right now. The second-place car, Stephen McAleer, that multicolored blue right there in the middle running second is one of those Norma chassis and Anthony Simone right behind him in the red 23 also in a Norma but it's Garrett Grist out in front still he qualified on the pole spectacular lap in the rain yesterday as the track began to get a little quicker each session or each lap I should say in the rain and laid down a lap that was over two seconds faster then Stephen McAleer, McAleer said, yeah, I blew it on the last lap. I had a great one going, and it would have been a good enough for the pole, but I spun in the bus stop on the last lap. So starting on the front row is not a bad thing, but, yeah, there was a lot of head shaking going on for Stephen McAleer. Woulda, coulda, Yeah, shoulda, woulda, and that's exactly didn't. what I said to him. <laughs> How often have we said that in racing? Fastest lap there for uh, Anthony Simone in that third-place car. He was challenging Stephen McAleer going into turn one. I don't think he was quite able to make it stick then, but that's a big battle going on there for second and third, and uh, Garrett Griss certainly isn't pulling away at the front of the field. Well, it's funny. There seems to be a little ebb and flow as a little bit of smoke there. I couldn't tell if that perhaps was one of the front brakes locking on Garrett Grist going into the bus stop. There seems to be some ebb and flow, though. He pulls out in certain areas of the racetrack, and then it closes back down in others. Yeah. And it may be he just doesn't have the handling of that Ligier just quite where he wants it right now. Yeah, as you say, you know, the, the Norman Ligier uh, making their speed different ways. The uh, Norma certainly is pretty fleet on the straights, generally speaking. And the Ligier perhaps a little bit better through the corners. We'll have to see how that uh, develops. And there's a lot of smoke out of the 51 in the middle of turn one. And once again, kind of hard to see if it's coming off of the left front under braking or if it's coming out of the engine department. Power plants here are pretty bulletproof. They'll run 10,000 kilometers before they need to be rebuilt. Although we've seen a couple of engine problems this weekend. Typically, that's not a concern. Let's see if perhaps into this right-hand corner, Grist on the brakes heavily into that West Horseshoe as Simone looks to the inside of McAleer. Let's look down in turn one, and it looks to me like it's coming off the back of the car, not the front. I wouldn't expect to see a rear tire locking in there. It is the more unweighted tire, that left rear, as you brake and the loads go diagonally across to the right front, but 
understand the start was reviewed and there was no action, but some concern here for the 51. Jeremy, do you think that that could be uh, some type of an oil leak when the car is in a left-hand corner? Yeah, have to keep an eye on it. We will keep an eye, keep an eye on it, certainly. But uh, he's able to uh, stretch out just a little bit there as, uh, once again, Stephen McAleer coming under intense pressure from Anti Simone going into the bus stop chicane. We're now on lap five. Last time around, 145.1 for our race leader, Garrett Griss. Almost identical lap time to the previous lap as well. So super consistency at the front of the field. Meanwhile, up into fifth place now is Alex Barron in car number 64. He's found a way past Nico Riga on that last lap. And now he's putting the pressure on Aaron Povoledo in car number 25 for fourth position. Good battles all around the racetrack. You saw there the number seven, Blake Mount. Arizona native now lives in Colorado and he's got some formula car experience now into the prototypes in the 33 under attack super four car battle also going into uh, turn one there for 10th position with uh, uh, Keith That's, Grant yep. and uh, Blakeman absolutely side by side and Leo Lamellis is right behind them as well just ahead of them is Lance Wills it's a great battle I think Keith Grant is the yellow car that we saw slow That's earlier right. in turn one and lose several positions, and he's now a man on a mission. He wants to get those back. But this is where the endurance aspect comes in. This is the longest race prototype challenge has run. There'll be another three-hour race later in the year at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. They're used to running shorter sprint races. I think as a driver, Jeremy, these guys need to keep in mind there is time to get this done. Yeah. You don't need to get it done right now. Uh, uh, absolutely, and there certainly has been, have been a few been a few reliability issues from several of the teams to, during the practice day yesterday. So they're going to keep an eye on that. And, you know, it, it is a long race. It's a three-hour race. So as you say, you, there's no point in taking too much out of the car too soon. New fastest lap there was last time around for Garrett Grist. That down into the 44s, 144.936, the new fastest lap of the race. That's about three-quarters of a second away from the fastest lap record set last year by Daniel Morad, also in Ligier. Blake Mount there in the seven, the number four right behind him, Leo Lamellis. And we'll watch the leaders head down into turn one and we'll look for that telltale smoke that we've seen before. Don't see it this lap as you stay on the battle there. And just one hundredth of a second of a lap slower that last time around uh, for Garrett Griss. So again, super consistency. And this is what prototype challenge racing is all about. It's just this close. And I think <laughs> it was close enough that they actually touched the 33 there on the inside. Lance Wilsey under attack from the 40, Keith Grant. Brilliant stuff. And the, and the number seven and four, they were side by side as well. Just a few car lengths behind them. 19 cars in the field today. Expect this field to grow. Look at this. On the high banks here at Daytona, 180 miles an hour. I think they may have touched a little bit. It may be red, white, and blue right. with some yellow highlights <laughs> after this there on the wheel well of the right front. We'll see holding on in that 33 machine. A great, great battle. And he's a guy with a tremendous amount of experience. He's almost as old as I am. Not, not quite, but just one year short of that. But just extensive experience, whether it was in GT machinery, the what's now the Michelin Pilot Series. He's running the Tudor Series, Ferrari Challenge, WeatherTech. 
He's running just about yeah. anything and everything, and really he's kind of raced all over the world, if my memory serves me correctly. And he's a guy that loves to race hard charger, and he's, he's being attacked right now. And there's Grant underneath on the way into the bus stop. Can he hold it? Great racing there. Grant Grist comes across the line now to complete lap seven. Another 45.2 that time, that time around. The previous lap, it was Anthony Simone who got a new fastest lap at 144.7. Next up for Lance Wilsey. He's going to have to try to hold off now. Leo Lamellas in the number four. I think that pass on the way into the bus stop just kind of caught Wilsey off guard just a little bit, put him off his game, and Lamellas right there to pounce and all over the back of Wilsey as they come onto the trial. Yeah, so Lamella says he's pretty, pretty, really putting on a charge the last few laps. He, he, uh, he's got, got, got himself into the groove now. Started in the 16th position and up into 11th, trying to make that 10th. I'm wondering what happened though. Let's take a look. As he comes down here, he, it looks like he's gonna have him. I think what happens down in turn one Kind of squeezes down. Is there contact? Yeah, Ooh. there may have been. Wilsey goes around. Hmm. Seven sneaks through. Blake Mount, but I don't know if he just got down there on the transition and, and the car got upset or if there was actually contact as we saw Lamellas trying to move around the outside. That incident's going to be reviewed. by the officials as we'll see now back underway. It, we had a shot of them and then they kind of disappeared for a moment when we came back. Obviously, the separation between the two cars was pretty great and now we know why. And that's where I, I, I don't know that anybody locked tires long enough to flat spot tires, so they should, I would think, be able to continue kind of no harm no foul but much like we were talking about on the pace laps of putting things behind you there are two hours and 45 minutes yet to go so you can't let that get to you you've got to just put your head down focus forward you have you have you've got to be really careful Anthony Simone a new fastest lap on that last lap at 144.430 for the Canadian in car number 23 in third position really got the pressure on Stephen McAleer and those two edging closer again now to Garrett Grist the gap was out to 1.7 seconds it was exactly a second as they came past the stripe to complete lap eight wonder if Anthony Simone's lap came with a draft because he's gotten past McAleer and it's one of those things that in talking to the, to the drivers the cars do draft well especially the same manufacturer chassis. And those Normas are known to be a mile an hour or two quicker in a straight line. I wonder if he was able to take advantage of the draft that Stephen McAleer's number 10 Norma chassis gave him. One thing's for sure, you can see these drivers pressing hard through the bus stop. A lot of motion on these cars with the shock package that's on it. You see it go through the bumps there on that left right on the way into the bus stop. Car really responds. Kind of pogoing up and down a little bit. It's going to be interesting now to see if uh, if Simone can uh, close in on his fellow Canadian Garrett Griss, who still leads across the stripe. He goes one more time. One minute forty. What's the lap time as it comes across? So one forty-four point nine again for Garrett Grist. His last uh, 
Well, the last half a dozen laps, 45-1, 45-1, 44-9, 45-2, 44-9. 45-2, Love that consistency, Brian. Absolutely, and that's one of the things that the engineers and the drivers both have said about the Michelin tire is that it is incredibly consistent. Yes, it falls away just a little bit like any racing tire will do, but the balance of the car stays the same, and I think that's the thing that's absolutely the key, Jeremy, is when a tire goes away, you don't want it to change the balance of the car and have a car that goes from perhaps understeering or pushing to loose. You want it to just lose a little grip and the lap time falls off slightly. And that's exactly what we've seen with the Michelins on these LMP3-based machines. And one thing's for sure, Stephen McAleer is not going to let Anthony Simone get away by any stretch of the imagination. He'll see if he can use a little bit of the draft and see if they can close down on Garrett Grist. And a problem there for the two off pace just a little bit. John Brownson. I don't know if he had a problem coming out of turn one or. Yeah, I'm not sure. He just turned his best lap of the race actually on that uh, on that lap. So I think maybe he had a bit of a moment down there. I didn't see what it was, but uh, he was still running. He was, uh, he, he ran the, uh, He's last year's MPC uh, champion in this. He's in the, the category. final champion. The final champ, the final winner, and the final champion. Okay, let's Some see what replay. happens. See what happened. He struck. He did the Michelin Encore. Oh, okay, just lost it goes. under braking. Uh, he did the Michelin Encore uh, at Sebring the end of last season. Uh, struggled there just to, to get used to the car. Didn't get a lot of laps in and, and really struggled. And, and he was a bit daunted yesterday, the first time in the wet. But he'd be coming up to you know coming to grips with the car during the race. He just turned his best lap, as I say, but had a bit of a moment there under braking. And that, to me, just looked like the rear tires locked. And that could just be simple brake bias imbalance or perhaps yeah. the paddle shift not working very well and not matching the revs on the downshift, locking the rear tires for just an instant. But at any rate... You saw the problem for Brownson. It wasn't a big one. He didn't go completely around, just kind of a little lazy half spin, and now a car spinning off of the exit of turn six. Don't see any contact. He looks to be on his own. Gris still leads over Anthony Simone, then Stephen McAleer. It's Ligier chassis in the hands of Gris, and then Norma chassis in the hands of Simone and McAleer running second and third. Great prototype challenge action. Remember, the 50th anniversary season for the International Motorsports Association. And Prototype Challenge starts that 50th anniversary season off. When you think about it, you look back to John Bishop and Bill France Sr. who started IMSA 50 years ago. They got to be looking and smiling down on what they see here, especially this weekend. What a great group of fans here at the Roar. Boy Scouts are here. Girl Scouts are here. Yeah, it's cool. Lots of it? fans. It almost looks like the race weekend, the infield almost completely full, parking-wise, lots of motorhomes, lots of campers. I think that must have been um, uh, Mo Smith who spun there because here come the three leaders now, and they're much closer than they were before. There's a number 11 car of Mo Smith. He'd been running at the back of the pack. He had a spin on lap two. I think that was his second gyration, and he kind of rejoined right with the leaders there, and I think cost Garrett Grist a little bit of momentum. All of a sudden, Garrett Grist last, line, last lap around, having been super consistent at around about uh, 1 minute 45 flat. That was a 1 minute 46.1 for our race leader, and now Anthony Simone is only a few car lengths behind him. We're watching Aaron Pavolito in the 25, and right behind him, James French. 
French really attacking on Pavolito, and now Pavolito with a little bit of lockup into the International Horseshoe, and that's a great story. Conquest Racing, Eric Bachelard, who was the 1991 Indy Lights champion, went on to drive Indy cars, team owner in the IndyCar series, also in the sports car series, back in sports car racing. And who did Eric beat in that season? He, he beat all of us a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I looked at the rear wing of Eric Bachelard's Bachelard's March Indy Lights car a lot in 1991. Didn't see the front end of it very much in my rear view mirror, but I saw the, the rear wing a lot from the back. Great driver, great team owner. He's a guy who gets it and he produces really good equipment, and that's what you saw. Aaron Pavolito has a good run going. Ross Schwest, he shares that car with, and Ross is a guy, success in Ferrari Challenge, also in Lamborghini World Final in the Lamborghini Cup class, a world champion in that. And he's a guy, he's one of these guys who's going to have to come to grips with no anti-lock brakes yeah. and no traction control. And that's one of the learning challenges for drivers who come out of those classes who have those technological, well, I don't want to call them advances, and I don't want to call them driver aids. That makes it sound like you're helping guys out. But you don't have that help, and so you've got to be the ABS. You've got to be able to feel that brake pedal, get the wheels rolling again if you lock them. You've got to be able to modulate the throttle and work that throttle, get the horsepower to the ground without spinning up those Michelin tires. And that's part of the challenge of these cars. They're good looking, they're fast, and a great battle right now as McAleer trying to hold on to the rear wing of that red number 23 of Anthony Simone in front. Simone has closed down yeah. considerably on Garrett Grist. Yeah, it was primarily a result of Grist being held up by the uh, the uh, the spinner, Mo Smith, rejoining at turn six there or a couple of laps ago. But certainly, you know, Simone, he has set the fastest lap of the race, uh, and he is on the charge right now, and he's uh, he's got Garrett Grist. Well, he had him very much to his sight, so the Grist pulled away just a little just, bit. Just a little bit. that infield section. Still see the telltale smoke out of the left side of the 51 from time to time. And it just, it, it seems odd to me. And it could be that I'm not, that it, and there it is again. It seems to be predominantly in left-hand corners. Yeah, that's curious. And it seems to be under braking. But I cannot tell if it's coming from the tire or if it's coming from inside the engine compartment there on the left side. Garrett Grist, 23-year-old from Groomsby, Ontario in Canada, came up through the Mazda Road to Indy Open Wheel Ranks, drove, drove in uh, USF 2000 Pro Mazda and Indy Lights. For the last uh, couple of years, he'd been making a name for himself in sports car racing. Oh, talk about making a name. Simone is trying to make quite the impression on Garrett Grist. He's there now. Good run through the trival, but Grist seems to get off of turn one with a little better drive. And look at the gap that gets pulled there. Simone really closed under braking, but Grist seems a little bit better off the corners. And Telltale Smoke again out of the 51, this time in a right-hand corner. I don't know that I had seen that before. Through the kink, down to the West Horseshoe. Let's look and see. Nothing there, and we'll watch through turn six. A left-hand corner, that's predominantly where we've seen smoke before is in left-hand corners, and nothing this time. I wonder if he's got a small flat spot and it, and it just rolls to it occasionally and locks it up. If that's the case, he's got to be extremely careful. These drivers should be able to go about 
55 minutes to an hour on fuel, you don't want to have to come in before that because you've hurt a tire. Two hours and 35 minutes let yet to go, so at least another half hour for these drivers on this stint before they would pit. And Simone right there again. This is a super battle between those three cars. And then the gap It's almost 20 seconds now back to Alex Barron making his return to professional racing. He was kind of lucky to be qualified to be classified as a silver yeah. rather than a gold, actually. But he's been out of the sport for such a long time. I think that would explain it because he used to race in IndyCars, uh, won, won an IndyCar race, and uh, he's a very talented guy. He's out. Done a lot of done a lot of coaching over the last few years, and that is what has made him Simone to get back in the sport. Looking again, and I'll tell you where the Norma chassis seems to come alive. It's in the latter quarter of the straightaway. It just seems to close several car lengths down. But one more time, Garrett Grist with a good run off the corner. That was definitely right front lockup on that Michelin tire on the 51 as he headed into the International Horseshoe. And Simone able to stay a little bit closer this time to Grist through the kink. He's got to be patient. I, I think he's got, I think Simone has the better car. Yeah. Keep the pressure on. Be patient, get the job done, and now lock up for Aaron Pavolito. Was that Pavolito? Where's the number seven car? There goes. Number seven car's gone missing. Leo Lamellis, uh, who had been, uh, excuse me, Blake Mount, uh, who had been uh, putting the pressure on uh, Keith Grant. He seems to have gone missing, hasn't come past yet. This battle heating up as they're working through the International Horseshoe and back to turn six. Good stuff. You see the 47 there of Fluker. French in there as well. And Aaron Pavolito. And these three drivers have swapped positions over the last couple of laps. And that's what we expect in this prototype challenge category are those good battles around the racetrack. And look at this. It's the 11 of Smith, who is a little bit further back in the order. We saw the problem earlier he gets passed on the way into the bus stop and there is the battle once again Pavolito in the red and white 75 and right behind him the 47 the Norma chassis and so we've got the Norma chassis the black 47 up above and let's see if we see a different in straight line speed between these two cars much like we have with Garrett Grist and Anthony Simone the Norma the black 47, the Ligier chassis, the white 25, white and red down at the end of the straightaway. I don't see much difference there. The 47 going to see, Fluker going to see if he can get it done by staying on the outside. And look at Pavolito hanging tough on the inside. There is a little kink here. They clear it, and then they're going to have traffic in front. Pavolito holds onto the position. That was tight racing there. And a little lockup. I think Pavolito may have a flat spot on the right front as well, and that <laughs> slows him coming off the corner. And Fluker there to attack yet again. That's some great racing going on here. Number seven car, by the way, uh, came around slowly and made his way into the pit box. There is uh, service going on there on that number seven car. We'll see whether he can resume. James French right there in the white and blue 75, just behind the black 47 of Fluker. He's got a front row seat to this battle. He's going to see if the 74 can get through and then maybe use him as a pick and do the same. But you got three very talented drivers lined up there in Fluker, Pavolito, and French. 
in a great battle. That three-car train just like the one up in front with Gris, Simone, and McAleer. Pavolito working by lap traffic. He gets through and kind of stacks up the 47 and the 75, and that's going to give him a little bit of breathing room, at least for now. He can kind of take a breath, relax a little bit. He's got to take care of those Michelins, the front tires on the 25. We've seen him lock those up a couple of times. Look at this battle. That's Fluker trying to get around the lap car, the number 11, Smith. And the 75 looks to the inside. French being careful not to press too hard there. Very experienced driver. He knows he has time. And that's going to separate Fluker from French. And uh, right behind those, not far behind those two, only a couple of seconds or so, is Nico Riga and Ben Waddell there having a good dice as well. They've exchanged positions on each of the last two laps. So it's still Garrett Griss that leads last time, lap time of 145.1 for our race leader. Anthony Simone in car number 23 in second place. Car number 10, Stephen McAleer right there in third. Car leaving pit lane with a, looked like it had a little damage on the right rear, perhaps some contact out there as Pavolito, his breathing room has gone away. Once Fluker worked past the 11, he's closed the gap right back down. We'll see if James French can do the same thing be interesting to hear from the guys as to how much this racetrack has changed just in the first half hour yeah. of this race as the ambient temper temperature begins to come up the track temp will climb as well and I'm sure they're on the radio with their crew members and their engineers giving them information as to how the handling of the car is changing as the miles are put on these Michelin tires and as the fuel load is burned down because that will change the balance of the car as well. And the engineers perhaps making some tire pressures to that next set of Michelins that will go on on the pit stop. And a problem, Oops. you see the 19 is spun, the waving yellow flags caught some drivers out. I was just about to say <laughs> that the Garrett Griss is about to hit the lap traffic. There were a couple it, of cars it, it there. It may hit, probably wasn't yeah, the right exactly. word, was it? Paul LaHaye in number 86 and Brad Baker, number 19, having a battle there. Uh, Brad Baker spun it uh, at the uh, East Horseshoe, another Canadian driver, by the way. Uh, Garrett Griss and Anthony Simone, they've just about scrambled past him. But that's certainly broken up that battle just a little bit and allowed Garrett Grist to edge away just a bit. Let's have a look at a replay once again. I think LaHaye sees the 19 backwards and overslows a little bit because he wants to honor the yellow flag. Yep. And I'm not sure Garrett Grist was prepared for that. So LaHaye doing what he needed to do with that spun car in front of him. And I think <laughs> it just kind of caught Garrett Grist out. LaHaye is a neurosurgeon, so certainly... Uh, a very intelligent guy. He's got great ex experience driving cars. And he said, hey, we're just kind of testing this out this weekend. And we're going to see what it's like. And if we like it, which so far we do, perhaps Dave House and I will do some more of these races. Perhaps we'll buy in. And that would be a great thing to see. There's the 10 of McAleer. Yeah, great great pair in those two, uh, uh, Paul LaHaye 
and uh, Dave House. Combined age of 143. <laughs> just got to love it, those two. Absolutely love it. Actually, they did the, the, the Thunderhill 25 hours in December last season. There were four drivers in that car. Combined age, 244. That makes me feel good. Fabulous. It makes me Absolutely feel good. Absolutely love it. My heroes, those two. Look Particularly Dave House, and, who and came awfully close last year, did he not, to winning the NPC yeah. Championship. And what's the youngest driver pairing in the field? Uh 41. 41. Average, <laughs> a combined age, yes. A combined age of 41 between. <laughs> and please tell me that's between two drivers and not three. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, well, exactly. It's two drivers, yes. Remarkable, you do have to be 16 years old. So, uh, the, the two Riga brothers, Timo and Nico, they're 22 and 20, respectively. But uh, even younger than those two are Wyatt Schwab, who's 18. 18, yeah. Uh, and Ben Waddell, who's 23. In, that's in the number 74 car, currently running in ninth position. Garrett Griss still leads as Anthony Simone in the red 23. Still under attack. A lot of pressure from Stephen McAleer and that multicolored blue number 10 right behind. And it's really been this way since the drop of the green. Simone got the best of McAleer several laps in, but then it is really kind of held station back and forth. And to some extent, when we think about fuel, 57 minutes to an hour, it'll be close to yeah. do it on two stops. It will. And it may be one of those things right now that for drivers like McAleer, who's at the back of that train, he's he's content to run there in the draft, make sure that he's got the fuel. Maybe he can go a lap longer at that point to do the pit stop, and he can come in a lap after the leaders. We'll have to wait and see, and that'll that strategy will have to play out. It will be a three-minute total pit-in to pit-out pit stop for all of the competitors. They cannot do it in any shorter time than that, or penalties will be levied. So a three-minute stop. Last year it was in the four-minute range and it has been cut considerably. It will be two and a half minutes at other racetracks, but due to the length of the pit lane and the pit-out lane here at Daytona International Speedway, a three-minute pit stop. Grist now having to work through traffic. That's the 60, running 15th right now. Hamilton behind the wheel. Grist gets through relatively cleanly, and looks like Simone and McAleer did as well. Indeed, they did. Think about, though, what you're looking at up front with the 51 of, of Garrett Grist. We were talking about age, and I think it's one of those things where at 23 years old, and we were talking about other drivers who are a little bit more experienced, let's say, and you think about those three drivers up front, they're all young guns who are really looking at sports car racing as their future career, and this is a great place to get it done. And they've come from different backgrounds. Stephen McAleer running third in the number 10 is an MX-5 Cup champion. Uh, a driver who hasn't driven a formula car or a high downforce car, and he said probably 10 years. So some adjustment there, but I think it's great to look at some of the young talent in sports cars right now and realize that these guys, I don't want to say gave up a career in open wheel racing, but they just look at the opportunities that exist in the world of sports cars and in the strength of the IMSA back series and say this is a place where I can make a career for myself. I can make a name for myself in this prototype challenge category, an exceptional place to do it. 
have to be a silver or a bronze rated driver. And when you look at these combinations, it's interesting. As I said, you look at Garrett Grist as a little bit of lockup once again. Grist, 23 years old. Rob Hodes, who he shares the car with, 57. So expect different performance levels. They've got different experience levels. It'll be interesting. Grist will hand over to his teammate for a stint, and then he'll take it back over at the end. So yeah. we'll watch different levels of experience and driver skill throughout this event as the driver changes happen. Yeah, you're right, and doing it for different reasons. Yeah, Rob Hodes uh, is, uh, is he doing it for fun, uh, and uh, he, he is the team principal at K2R Motorsports. Bobby Golazinski, who's a longtime crew chief in the IndyCar ranks, he runs that team for Rob, and uh, you know, Garrett is the kind of hired gun. He's looking, as you say, to make a career in the sport. He, uh, right after this race, he opts on a plane to go over to, I think it's Thailand, isn't it, the next ra- round of the Asian Le Mans series, in which Garrett Grist will be driving uh, there, so uh, you're just getting to getting a, a good warm-up for his next round, which is in a completely different car on the other side of the world. And then kind of a, a different take on that is Stephen McAleer in the 10. We talked about him being one of those young sports car drivers, and he certainly has made a career for himself over the last several years here. A great guy. Typically would be sharing that car with Joe Robillard, who had some work that he had to attend to as uh, the stock market has been up and down just a little bit. Doesn't affect me or you, Jeremy, because our portfolio isn't that big, but um, needed to attend to work. And so in his place, Kenton Cook, who has won this championship in 2015, won the Rolex 24 in the uh, prototype challenge category in 2016. He's sharing that car this weekend with Stephen McAleer. That should be a very, very strong combination. Yeah, it certainly should. And uh, they they will be... uh in, in very good shape to, to win this race. Kenton Cook, of course, a former champion in the uh, former iteration of this series. This was number 25 and 75 go absolutely side-by-side side down into turn one. Pavolito in the red and white 75. We've seen this play out before. Pavolito just being one tough customer to get around, not doing anything wrong, but doing a great job of placing that car in a position that makes it incredibly difficult for James French to get around him. And French, another one of those young drivers with a good background, a good resume, who has turned to sports car racing and said, yeah, I'm going to use that as a stepping stone in my career. The guys, another guy who's on in charge, another youngster, is Rodrigo Fluca in kind of a 47. He's uh, finally managed to get, get find a way past Aaron Pavoledo a few laps ago, what, four or five laps ago, and he's now uh, closed right in on number 64 of Alex Barron, and those two are pretty much nose to tail as they head up onto the banking in turns one and two. French, the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship prototype challenge champion in 2017. He won the Rolex 24 that year, won Sebring that year. Did they win the six hour? I think they did. Yeah, they won everything. They? But they didn't win yeah. Petit. Oh. But won the championship in just stunning fashion. Spending time in the P2 car as well. Looking oh. to the inside there was Anthony Simone, but uh, uh, he, unable to make that stick. Uh, Garrett Griss holds on just, and two more lapped cars right ahead of him as they head toward the East Horseshoe. Yeah, it's about to get really busy, as if that wasn't busy enough. Grist in the black and yellow 51, your leader, but Simone really putting the pressure on now, and Grist a little bit desperate to try to get past the two cars in front. You're not going to do it at the kink. We'll see if he can get one in the West Horseshoe. Under braking, looks to the inside. Not going to happen, but Simone, what a move. 
Puts the 23 down inside. The question is, where's the lap car going to go? Where do you want to be? Griss now gets it done in turn six. Simone, can he go with him? He does. Will he get the run? Or will McAleer, with a great charge on the rear wing of the 23, McAleer in that multicolored blue number 10, he may have a run on Simone as Grist trying to go around the high side of the lap car in front. It's Joel Janko who he's passing. And car number 70 this season is Joel. Car number 25 last year. Well, he's celebrating his 70th year is Joel from the Keys in Florida driving with Jonathan George this weekend. And frustration, I'm sure, for Stephen McAleer as Simone was able to get past the 70 of Joel Janko on the way into the bus stop. McAleer was not, and that has really put some space yeah. between himself and Simone. But Simone now on a charge. Take a look here at this move by Simone. He sees Grist get hung up and thinks that perhaps he can go up the inside. Nothing doing there, and then gets the pick coming off the corner. And there's the move down into turn one. Simone on the high side. Can he hold it? Grist stays inside. Remember, there is a little kink here. Can you get through side by side? You can, but now Simone with the inside into the International Horseshoe. Good respect from both yep. drivers there going through that kink. They could easily have been banging wheels there and trying to make it difficult for the other guy. They both left it so each another enough room, and it's Simone who comes out with a lead. Ooh, Grist. Ooh, was, I think they touched right there going into dodgy. the kink. Grist yeah. trying to hold tough there, and... Simone trying to get back to driver's right because that's where you want to enter the kink from. And I think the front splitter of that 51 made contact with the left rear of the 23. Not a problem there, but there's that smoke that we have seen throughout the event off the 51. And I'm wondering if Grist is just having to baby that car just a little bit if it is a lockup well, issue. And he's having to baby it just a little bit could be but as you were talking about earlier on your fuel consumption certainly is an issue for the for, for well the vast majority of these teams i'd say there's one team that reckoned they could run an hour and 15 minutes but everybody else said they're going to be running to run <laughs> uh, struggling to run a full hour and they were kind of hoping uh, that there might be some full course caution they were hoping it wasn't one of their team cars involved obviously but uh, there have been uh, no caution been flat out all the way so far and i think uh, several of the teams and drivers out there having to manage their pace to manage their fuel consumption, Brian. I look at it this way. If you can go an hour and 15 minutes on fuel in one of these cars, you'll have plenty to drive to tech because they're going to yes. want to see you after the race. Yes. I think that may have been an erroneous fuel calculation as you look at Garrett Grist now in second place. He was our pole sitter. Anthony Simone pressuring over the last several laps, got by him. And now Grist beginning to fall back to McAleer a little bit just behind. A Norma chassis now out in front. The Ligier of Grist, kind of the meat in the sandwich because Stephen McAleer and his number 10 Norma really beginning to charge as well. But one more time, the leaders having to work through some lap traffic. Two hours, 17 minutes yet to go in the Scouts of America three-hour three race from here at Daytona International Speedway. Grist with a slide off of the West Horseshoe. We'll see if McAleer can do anything. The third car in the shot there. The fourth one is lap traffic, and McAleer with a good run mm -hmm. onto the banking. Was able to close up a little bit on that lap as well. This is how the lead was exchanged. Simone 
is going to have to go around the high side, and I'm not sure that, that kind of a strange little wiggle there mm. by Grist, and then Simone can barely hold on to it, slides up high. It was side by side all the way down to the International Horseshoe, but Simone with the position on the inside, able to take the lead. And we'll see if Grist can hold on or if he's going to have to give up another spot as McAleer really beginning to pressure. So 45 minutes uh, gone in this race. Uh, just uh, almost 45 minutes gone. So another yeah, at least 10 minutes before we can expect to see any of the leaders on pit lane. Only one pace lap, and that was at a very slow speed, so not a lot of fuel being burned there. So you would think at least 55 minutes, I, I would think, on this first run. Yep. Um, you, you don't want to gamble too much because you're not exactly sure what you've got, but you really need to go 55 minutes. If you do the math and you go 180 minutes and then you take – six minutes off of that because you know you're going to make at least two pit stops and then start backtracking from the end of the race you can figure out that it can be done but they're going to need a good 57 58 minutes per stint smith's doing a nice job in car number 11 he had those two spins earlier on but he's now closing in quite rapidly on uh, Brad Baker and kind of a 19 behind him and Brad Baker is uh, not too far behind uh, both behind Paul LaHaye in kind of 86 as well. Baker of course we saw had that spin just a little while ago. Smith sharing that 11. Slow on pit lane very slow on pit lane. Like he's not going to get to his pit stall I don't believe. Mm. Talking about Smith sharing that car with Nico Ronde, who, Ronde, a very talented race car driver. He's driven just about any, yeah. any and everything throughout his career. A Barber Dodge Pro Series champion back in 2001 and a great instructor, a great driver, coach. And I think that's a, another great thing about this series. You have a lot of pairings where it's the driver coach driving with, you know, their student. Um, and we're full course caution with two hours and 14 minutes left to go this is going to be interesting this is not where you wanted to have that caution because now what do you do you need to go farther than that we'll have to see how long it takes them to get things packed up but i'm not sure you want to pit right now because you're past driver minimum time so that's fine for your first driver you have to do at Can least 40 minutes under yellow actually and there's a piece of debris on the racetrack and that's sure why we're going to go full course caution. Uh, and just before the caution came up, I'm presuming, uh, certainly on this lap, number 47, Rodrigo Fluca, the young uh, Peruvian. We talked about him a little while ago, closing up on Alex Barron. Well, he's made that pass now for fourth position. That is going to mean when we get for, ready for a restart or whatever happens next, whether it's pit stops or whatever, he's right with the leaders. He had been more than 20 seconds behind, 27 seconds behind as he came across the line this time by. But Rodrigo Fluca in number 47 is into fourth position ahead of the uh, the Starworks uh, X-Wing fighter uh, pilot, X-Wing fighter liveried number 64. <laughs> Easy for you to Alex say. Band. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, something like that. I was letting you go. Thank you very much. <laughs> number 86 car in the pits. 
So safety car is out. And two minutes and 12 minutes to go. There's a look at the number 10. Stephen McAleer up on the banking. And it looks like you just drive around and it's not a big deal. I can tell you on the banking at low speed like that, it's relatively uncomfortable. The car doesn't want to stay up there. Number 40 car, it's got to its pit line. You've got some assistance to get to its pit stall. The uh, engine coverage are off that car, and the uh, Polestar Motor Racing team having a good look around at the back end to try and figure out what's wrong. So, 48 minutes down in the race. Car number 23, Anthony Simone, still leads in a normal car number 23 for 47 motorsports. Uh, excuse me, for the Alliance Gilbert Motorsports entry, my, 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 my bad, uh, Anthony Simone drove for 47 last season. This is the new uh, alliance between Alianza and Gilbert Motorsports, also carrying the colours, by the way, of Lupus of America, uh, tr drumming up support for the Lu Lupus Foundation, which is uh, exploring this uh, lupus disease that affects so many people around the world. Very mysterious disease and the... Uh, that uh, organization working very, very hard to try and find a, uh, a cure and, and really why it afflicts people in the first place. It actually took my aunt's life when, and I believe in the early 60s, I was a very young child at the time, but um, yeah, it's a horrible disease. And as you said, very mysterious one. Yeah, uh, uh, Oliver Askew is one of the rising stars of open wheel racing uh, from, from Jupiter, Florida. Uh, his, his mother suffers from lupus now and uh, there was one of the road to indy races last season actually it was at indianapolis that was uh, supporting Lu lupus foundation as well so oliver was very proud to be part of that association to get oliver askew in one of these prototype challenge cars well he, that, he, he was going to come up today i haven't, I haven't seen him uh, if, if he is and if you can hear us oliver come up and have a chat with us up here in the booth we're uh, right next to race control Love as you said you. he's one of the rising stars in open wheel racing but like we were saying you, you have to make up your mind at some point in time what direction you're going to go and i think more and more it's become one of those things where drivers look at a younger age and just go hey i'm going to go sports car racing it's a great opportunity it, it the cars are are good um i'll cut my teeth i'll move up there are opportunities for me there I've said this for a long time, and, yeah. and it's the same way with anything. If you set your sights too narrowly on a goal, you may miss tons of other yeah. opportunities that come away because you're too busy looking through that long tube at just that little singular target at the end of it. You need to have a little wider field of vision, perhaps, and you'll see other opportunities that are there. Well, that's exactly right. And we've got several drivers in this field who, you know, they've done exactly that very, very early in their career. Austin McCusker. Uh, is a good example of that. Uh, Garrett Griss, well, he's been around a little bit longer, certainly. He's 23 years of age now. Rodrigo Fluker <laughs> what, what from you, Peru. What did you just say? He's been, been around, around a little, little bit longer. longer. Well, he's yeah, 23. Austin, Austin's not, 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 not 21 yet. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Austin, but, he, but certainly Garrett had been racing a lot, lot right. longer than... Uh, <laughs> than Garrett it, Gris. It, uh, the, it just sounds funny. Is, I know, I know. It's particularly coming from me. Look, I was going to say, looking at our hair color <laughs> standing up here, Jeremy. It, yes. You're only as old as you feel, right? Yeah, well, there are days. <laughs> By the way, number 40 car, unfortunately, just been pushed back into the garage area. So it looks like uh, done. the brother's day is done. That's a great shame. David not able to get aboard, it would appear, this weekend. Uh, unless they can get the car back out again, it's a long, long way to go. So if it's fixable, I'm sure that uh, the Griffiths 
Jim and Pam will, uh, and, and the whole crew there will get that car back out if they possibly can. And what a great organization. Back a long time ago before half the people in that infield were born, mm -hmm. I think, um, Jim Griffith designed and built his own Super V, and I was supposed to drive it in 1987. And the deal never got done, not because of Jim's fault nor mine, but um, just a great guy. He's been around racing for a long time. And he's kept in line by his wife, Pam, who's probably the most important team member on in that organization. If you ever wanted to run an Atlantic car or something yeah. like that, that was the place that you wanted to go. Yeah. Safety car still out in front of the field. Anthony Simone leads in his Norma, then Garrett Grist. And for Grist, he may really be thoroughly enjoying this full course caution because that smoke that we saw if indeed it was getting worse because of a flat spot then that was going to be an issue safety car now comes to pit lane starter looking over the field green flag waves and we're back racing and we're closing in on the time for pit stops two hours and seven minutes so we've been running for 53 by our calculations they're going to have to do 58 that full course caution though jeremy helped them big time yes it did it helped everybody uh, really they they would be uh, pretty grateful at the opportunity to save a little bit of fuel number uh 86 car we saw that car come in to make its pit stop during that full course caution that uh, has gone back out again that uh, did so without losing a lap and that could be crucial but i'm not sure can you change drivers under caution Ouch, should know the answer to that question. Yeah, I apologize. You're, you're I making don't. me reach for my rule yeah. book and putting me on Whoa, the spot there. A, oh, and a, a spin. spin a th that? And that's the thing. You've got to take care of these Michelin tires and make sure that you've Woolsey. gotten them back up to temperature. A gaggle of cars down into the West Horseshoe. You can make time here. You can make positions, but you've got to be careful and not throw it all away. You're about to hand the car over to your teammate. Yep. Make sure you've got a car to give him. Uh, that was Lance Wilsey who had that spin uh, at the exit of the East Horseshoe. He's re re rejoined. He's only lost maybe seven or eight seconds. Uh, but uh, it'd be Nigel Greensall who will take over the wheel of that car, I think. Actually, they hadn't decided. I spoke to uh, Nigel Greensall, the uh, the uh, Brit, before the start of the race, and they weren't sure whether he, whether Lance was going to run a double stint and then have Nigel finish, or Nigel was going to get in and do the middle stint and then have Lance Wilsey get in for the finish. I fancy it's probably going to be the latter. They will make a driver change now and again at their second stop in about an hour's time. Looking at James French there in the 75, a gaggle of cars, as we said, into the West Horseshoe, and that continued all the way into the bus stop. Alex Barron there in the 64 up top, and right behind him, I think it's the 25 of... Aaron Pavolito and cars beginning to head to pit lane. Four cars breaking off and coming to the pits. 54 and a half minutes in. Leaders stay out. Simone, Grist, McAleer. Pit stops underway. The battle continues for the lead. And remember, three minutes from the time you cross the pit in line until you cross the pit exit line has yeah. to be at least three minutes. Fuel doesn't flow particularly quickly in these cars. Yeah, it's about, it's about 45 seconds, I think, uh, to, to refuel the cars. So they've got plenty of time. They've got about 
about two minutes, as you say, a minimum of, of three minutes to pit stop. It was going to be, it's generally going to be two and a half this season. But as you say, with the extension of the pit lane speed limit this year, all the way around turn one, that's made the uh, pit road delta, the time from when you come in to when you go out, considerably longer. So that is why the uh, minimum pit stop time has been uh, increased for this race. And that minimum pit stop time is from the moment they cross the line at the beginning of the pit lane to begin the speed limit uh, speed limited uh, run through the pits to the uh, pit lane exit as well so it's a long long way uh, there's plenty of time for them to make this pit stop still but they've got to think about what they do only three crewmen allowed to go over the wall two of them uh, involved in the uh, wheel changing process and then the refueler as well and the leaders back across the line they will not pit this lap a problem for the two He's lost a tire, and I don't mean lost it as in the wheel came off. That's the tire carcass. So he had a deflation, and the carcass has now come off. Now, here's the problem. The leaders just went by the line. There's a large piece of debris on the racetrack. If they go full course caution to pick this up, and it's going to keep the, everybody out because they're going to close pit lane while they go full course caution to get it and that could be a problem and I believe they may have to do that it'll be interesting to see if the officials will give the leaders a chance if they don't pit this time I would expect them to go full course caution but I think they may give them the opportunity to get to pit in one more time before they throw that flag we'll have to wait and see there's the carcass the two off to the side they're the leaders out of turn six so they'll have to go through what we call NASCAR 1 and 2. You can see the deflation's already happened for the two. Brownson just carrying big pace. Perhaps he didn't realize what had happened. He's going quicker than you want to go with a flat tire, and it eventually just cuts the carcass off, and it sheds it to the outside. You can see other cars beginning to pit because Anybody with an opportunity is going to go, let's get it done now before they go caution. We need to get there before the flag flies. We're the leaders. They're in NASCAR three and four. You would expect them to pit. Dive down, guys, and come to pit lane. This is when you need to get it done. And, indeed, the 23 is in. And, oddly enough, no, he doesn't come. And the caution is out. Caution is out, so he stayed up on the racetrack. Well, that was curious. It's curious. That may answer the question that you and I both should know. Yeah, no, I, th I think you can't make a pit stop uh, under caution. And I don't know if it came out at a point in time where Simone had to, to bail because the light came on before he got to the commit mark. And that's why he stayed up. But he lost the position. So behind the safety car for the second time, and this is going to be interesting, 58 and a half minutes in, closing in on the two-hour mark. Yes, yellow saves fuel, and we had about an eight to ten-minute full course caution a little bit earlier, so that probably gives them another three to four minutes worth of running time. Going to be contact here? Yep. Yep. And that's the 33 that goes around. And that was at the restart. Uh, yeah. That was that when, previous course. Yeah. That was Lance Wilsey turning that number 33 car around. 
Just kind of gets pinched down to the inside. Yeah, the number 19 car was actually a lap behind Lance Wilsey, but uh, Wilsey was be behind him on the road and trying to make, trying to get past and wasn't quite close enough to make that happen. And that's the, the frustrating thing when you're trying to get past a lap car, somebody who's already down. And, you know, it's, it's so easy to talk about patience and so difficult to do sometimes. So safety car out for the second time, two hours to go. Safety helicopter, too. It's a Coast Guard, isn't it? Grist being shown in the lead, then Simone, then McAleer, Fluker, Barron, Pavolito, French, Waddell, Rieger, Wilsey. That's the top ten under this full course caution. And I'm wondering how many nervous hands are being wrung down in pit lane right now as far as being concerned about fuel. If you could go an hour, you got to figure you're going to get another four or five minutes out of it because of the full course caution that we've had so far. But there's not going to be a lot left in the tank. No, there's not. No, you're right. But what it should do is make – if you make if you make it back around for the pit stop, what it should do is easily give you one more stop to the end. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Certainly, the, you know, the teams are hoping for uh, a bit of a break there in terms of their fuel consumption. That will, this will certainly give them that, and it'll be. Uh, I believe they, they you can't uh, when when you go back to green you can't make your pit stop then, so you have to wait. Uh, until we go back to green and do one more lap, and then you can come on to have to take the, the green on the racetrack. Indeed, you do. So that's uh, they 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 they're, they're pretty tight on fuel now, but they should be just about okay because of that previous caution period. If not for that previous caution period, they could be really struggling. I wonder too about. There's only two laps they did under under yellow last time around, so it wasn't very much. Well, I wonder too about pickups in the fuel tank. Well, and that is an issue here because on the banking. On the banking, that's uh, exactly what yeah. I was saying. Uh, I several of the teams were telling me uh, before the start of the race that when they're going around the banking at speed with not a lot of fuel in the tank, the fuel light does come on. So you've got to, you've got to figure out whether that's just because you're on the banking or whether you really are uh, down on fuel. So the drivers have really got to pay attention. There's no live tele telemetry back to the pits to tell them how much fuel has been used or how much is on board. So it's up to the uh, the driver to relay the, relay the information back to the team. Well, we see cars on the apron in one and two instead of on the banking because be. it's flat. Could well be. Something to think about, and I'm sure that drivers talking to their so engineers and crew excuse, members. Excuse me, Brian. The number 23 cars have gone back ahead of number 51. I wonder whether there was a bit of a mis miscommunication yeah. there and uh, number th we saw number 23 car was uh, was in the lead and headed toward pit lane then at the last minute the full course caution flags came out uh, and by that stage uh, Garrett Grist had already gone past him I think uh, that race control because they had to throw the caution yeah. or they decided to throw that caution so late uh, I would uh, hazard a guess to suggest they might have uh, uh, told the race leader hey, that, that was uh, our mistake there in calling the timing as we did uh, please let him go back into the lead of the race. So the situation is is back to how we were before the full course caution period came out. It'll be interesting to see. We'll watch the cars here as they exit the infield and head up towards the banking and see if anybody takes that option to stay down on the flat.
Everybody up on the banking right now. If anybody stumbles, I'm sure we'll see him down on the flat. Interesting to see drivers waiting, and, and we know that as soon as the pit lane opens, cars will be in, but one of those deals where it's going to be maddening waiting to get there, and there's the 23, Simone, that spectacular move around the high side of Garrett Grist into turn one to take the lead, but really the top three been pretty much stuck together since the drop of the green flag. And then we saw Fluker with a great run in the 47. Alex Barron having a good run and good battles throughout. Be interesting to get an idea how long it's going to take to get that number two car sorted and out of the way so that we can get back to racing in an open pit lane. Looking down on the garage area, and we were talking about what a great group of fans that have turned out for the roar of the weather. Absolutely perfect. You wouldn't have thought so yesterday, late in the afternoon, right around 445, 5 o'clock when the frontal system that has left us such beautiful weather today descended onto the Daytona Beach area, and it was raining sheets. Green flag waves. We're back racing. Everybody needs to take the green flag on the racetrack before you pit. Two hours and closing down on two hours and six minutes on the fuel on board these cars right now. Fluker all over the back of Stephen McAleer, the black 47, really putting pressure on that multicolored blue number 10 out in front as Simone leads the field back to green. And McAleer with a little bobble off the international horseshoe and Fluker absolutely glued to the back wing of the 10. There's another spinner at the exit of the horseshoe as well. It's kind of a 25, that's it. Aaron Pomolado. We saw he was running in the fourth position right at the start of the race. He'd fallen back to sixth yeah, that'll uh, be, at the restart. That'll be interesting to see. He's right there with Alex Barron and James French. Ben Waddell was in there as well. It'll be interesting to see if there was contact or he did it on his own. Expect to see all these lead cars in next time by, but they've got to get there. I would think they've got to be running really low. Closing in on two hours and seven minutes in the books. Down to the bus stop one last time for Anthony Simone, and I would fully expect to see him on pit lane. Yeah, I would too. And what's interesting to me is the the, uh, the number four car that has made a pit stop. Neil Alberico has taken over uh, this car from Leo Lamellis. They made that pit stop between the two caution periods. They were the only one, uh, the only car on the lead lap to do so. And that was a great call because obviously Neil Alberico, very, very quick race car driver. And while these other cars are sitting stationary, and now this is interesting, the 51 stayed out. Oh, so he did. Garrett Grist in the 51 has stayed on the racetrack, retakes the lead. Everybody else that was running right there with him is in. Fluker, McAleer, they've all come to pit lane. Simone. 
And as we would expect, I find it interesting that they would go ahead and keep the 51 out. So we'll keep an eye on Garrett Grist as he's on the racetrack and we'll watch the pit stops begin to take place for all the other competitors. There's the 23. Simone out. Jason Bell will be getting in. Bell, a very quick race car driver. Not really much time at all in the prototype category, but very good in GT cars and multiple series that he's run over the last several seasons. He was second in the GT4 category at the Michelin Sports Car Encore at Sebring with James Safronis and Andy Lally. But... This is going to be a new experience for him in this P3 machinery. Jason Bell. Yes, indeed. And uh, he's, he's done well uh, this weekend from Tampa, Florida. Uh, he's uh, driving a lot of different cars lately, hasn't he? Yeah, he is. And uh, he's going to be uh, in the deep end here, but great challenge for him. So we'll so watch. The top four of the lead lap cars did not come into the pits on that lap. That's uh, Garrett Grist. Uh, who took over the lead from uh, Simone when he came in. Alex Barron in car number 64, Ben Waddell in car number 74, and Nico Riga in number 55 of 47 Motorsports. So two of the Normas and two of the Ligiers have stayed out. Now Grist is in the 51. They did the one more lap. The 10 of McAleer will be handing over to Kenton Cook. We talked about that driver pairing being exceptionally strong. A lot of experience in those two guys in the category. Grist will... Hand over to Rob Hodes. Alex Barron in just behind him. And three minutes sounds like a long time, but it's three minutes from pit in to pit out. You still need to execute a stop well. Yeah. You, can't, you can't dally, but at the same point in yeah. time, take your time. Make sure you get it done right. You see Grist out, pulls the seat insert out. Hodes a little bit bigger. So he'll climb in. Grist will help him with that driver change and help him with his belts. So it was a Ben Waddell there in the number 74 car. He's the only one of the cars on the lead lap not yet to have made a pit stop. Uh, a lap down still is car number four in 10th position, but he has made his driver change already. So he, he's looking in pretty good shape here by the time we get back to green, I believe. But number 74, Ben Waddell, is one of the 47 motorsports uh, team cars and that was the team I think I can relate now that reckon they could run as much as an hour and 15 minutes before making the pit stops however number 55 car one of his uh, one of the team cars uh, and November 47 they have already both now on pit lane making their uh, their first pit stop of the day IMSA prototype challenge scouts of America three hour Continues an hour and 49 minutes to go, and that first round of pit stops being completed. Cars getting back on the racetrack. Minimum. Oh, and there's a spin for the 23 right out of the pit lane. Cold <laughs> tires. And just coming off the horseshoe there, the international horseshoe, lights up the rear tires just a little bit. And Jason Bell with a spin just stay cool stay calm you've got time get this back under control and indeed he does and pulls away but it's just kind of a reminder hey yeah. your michelins are not ready to go just yet <laughs> you've got to get them up to temperature and that's what's so difficult no tire warmers can't preheat the tires get them up to pressure and temperature and so you've got to go do it on the racetrack take a look here bell little high there and just gets out there, and perhaps the paint, you saw that white stripe, and that was close. Man, that was 
close. Anytime you get on a painted surface on a tire that doesn't have good grip in it yet, it's a recipe for disaster. That paint fills in all the aggregate and makes it nice and slick. And you saw just about the time that left rear got to the paint, that's when the car came around. Lesson learned. Check yeah. that box off. And who was that right behind? I didn't see who that was right behind. I didn't but either, it but it was close. close. I'm thinking it was, it was most likely the number 10 car. Waddell still out in front. And then we'll have to let timing and scoring cycle through as looking down on pit lane, it is empty. So everybody has done their stop and headed back to the racetrack. Things will get sorted out and settled. There's Jason Bell in the 23. It was the 75 that was just behind him. And that was a very near miss and a good job by Cameron Castles, who had taken over from James French in the 75 to see that kind of transpiring in front and make sure that contact didn't happen. Castle spending time in a P2 car here at the Roar as well as the prototype challenge machinery. Another one of these really good gentleman racers who is fanatical about his racing, loves to do it a lot of time in GT-based machinery, but new to the prototype ranks. So the uh, last... Uh uh, driver to to make his pit stop car number 74 ben wardell brings his car onto pit lane for service he's gone a lot longer than anybody else he's done two or even three laps more than uh, than many of his rivals here have to see whether that turns out to be a benefit in the long run and meanwhile uh, neil Barico now he's just taken over second place in car number four for ansa motorsports and he's got a pretty healthy lead over everybody else well, that was interesting. Oh, and there's a spinner. It's the 51, and that was a really near miss. That's Rob Hodas. So the, both of the the, uh, the cars that were running 1-2 before the pit stops, they both had a spin afterwards. That was dramatic. That was trying to put the power down coming off of turn six in the middle of traffic and get an idea here. Kind of gets on a bump, gets on the throttle coming off the corner, and right out here at the exit, rear end breaks loose, and that was close, especially on the inside. Once again, without traction control, you have to be patient. You've got to feel the back end of that car, and if it starts to step out at all, especially at a place like turn six, which leads you on to yeah. effectively a massively long straightaway, you don't want any wheel spin there anyway because that's going to just – inhibit your acceleration down that long straightaway to the bus stop you've got to sense that and if you don't especially when the tires are cold like that when they lose traction they lose it very quickly and if you're not ready for it around she goes so hodis bit a little bit there by the cold michelins coming off of six gets it back underway and hopefully he hasn't flat spotted a tire did see a little smoke off the back of the 51 yet again in Remember Garrett Grist, we saw it a lot. And I, I will tell you this, where I just saw it, I don't think that's brake lockup. I think there must be some fluid leak in the engine compartment on the 51. We see it more in left-hand corners. It's gotten less, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. There's only one or two reasons why things stop smoking. And the, the first reason is it's out of things to burn anymore. So if it's starting to run low on fluid, that could be an issue if it had been some type of an oil leak. Yeah, neither of them particularly good reasons, are they? Yeah. So, 
Still waiting for car number four to, to take over the leader. Number 74 car still showing as the race leader because he is uh, still in the pits. Then number four, four car, which is well clear of number 10 of Stephen McAleer, who uh, stayed aboard the number 10 car. So he'll be uh, doing a double stint before handing over to Kenton Cook for the final third of the race. Austin McCusker in car number 47 is now up into, well, what will be third position. 74 of Wyatt Schwab now back underway. When I watched that pit stop take place between Ben Waddell and Wyatt Schwab, we talked about size differential in the beginning, but that, when the two drivers were standing there on pit lane side by side, you could get a really good idea of how different they are size-wise. As I said earlier, there is an honest 100-pound weight difference between those two drivers, and you could see it in the size, I think, Ben's about 6'1 and 235, and as you said, Wyatt looks like a, a jockey. Yeah. So things settling down a little bit. Neil Alberico out in front. We talked about his pit stop, really one of the first ones that we saw, and the question there is, Jeremy, was it early, too early? Is he going to have a fuel concern at the end of the race? We'll have to keep an eye on it. I was amazed at how far the cars good, could go, even with – the caution laps that they had that was still uh, a good ways farther than I thought it might have been able to, to do. And the 51, especially staying out just that one more lap, and even the 74 was our last car to pit as you Here's look down at the 60 and the 74. The 10 car, Stephen McAleer, is making, a, uh, making his way onto pit lane again. Is that a penalty? I've got to presume that it is. May well be because he's up in the fast lane. I think it is a drive-through penalty. That'll be interesting. I don't know there if that was, was a time. There was no score, nothing on the scoring monitor, was there? Yeah, he's definitely making a drive-through. I wonder if that was a, a pit stop time infraction. Ooh, that was close. That was almost a big error. It pit out by the car just in front of the 10, almost went straight onto the racetrack instead of staying in pit lane. And that could have been dangerous. See McAleer behind the seven. It was the seven being shown with Blake Mount still in the car that almost pulled straight onto the racetrack instead of going through the pit lane, which dumps you out on the short straightaway down to the International Horseshoe. That was close. There's the 10. And it's still showing McAleer in the car, and my understanding was it was going to be McAleer, then Cook, and then McAleer in at the end. So I don't know. Plan B. Service the car from behind the wall is the penalty call for the number 10. Not exactly sure what that service was. Well, take a look at take a look at this on the seven he needs to be left into the pit lane yes. and you can see decides and makes the decision very late but you get an idea of the closing speed of the car on the racing surface if he had stayed up on the racetrack that would have been a big problem yeah, for nico ronde and the 11. yeah that was a good call to get back across so they got number 47 car in second position. That's Austin McCusker, but he's a full minute, uh, 61 seconds behind Neil Alberico, who leads. And uh, Neil Alberico has just set uh, that car's best lap of the race so far in car number four. 
Uh, and the reason he's got such a huge lead is because he made that pit stop before this latest caution period. Everybody else has had to make their pit stop after the caution period. So he was able to make up the ground that he lost uh, on, on, the, on the road during the caution and pull up to the back of the, of the, of the pack. And then when everybody else has come onto pit lane, they've fallen a, long, long, a lot farther behind. So that is the, uh, the reason that Neil Albrook has such a commanding lead at this stage. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how this all settles down after the last round of pit stops. Remember, it is endurance racing, and there goes Alberico in that red, black, and white number four from Anson Motorsports. They had a problem with the engine, did not qualify yesterday. So right. got that engine in and gone from the back of the pack where they started to the front. But it'll be interesting to see how it all settles out as we've talked about the different driver ratings the bronze and the silver drivers and some of these drivers very very good driver coaches experienced guys scott maxwell one of those guys and you think about all the experience that scott had i i, I saw him in the paddock a little earlier today he goes it's been about 10 years since i drove a prototype but hey i'm gonna have fun <laughs> when we go do it but it's going to transition back through, and every one of these teams is going to have it lined up to where they're going to put what they believe is their fastest driver in at that final pit stop, and then it's going to be a shootout to the end. Neil Alberico out in front in the Ligier, the number four from ANSA, a very talented race car driver, and everything that he's driven up through the Formula car ranks, think about his time in USF 2000 Pro Mazda last three seasons in Indy Lights and a very short season in 2018 only ran a couple of lights races at St. Petersburg but still always always performing well and he may be one of those drivers who turns to sports car racing because he's certainly showing that he can get the job done. Yeah, that's certainly the, the plan for Neil. He's been uh, hanging around. He was at the uh, Michelin Encore. Uh, didn't get a chance to drive in the race. Well, he actually did, but uh, the car was uh, already broken at that stage. Uh, so he didn't get a chance to, to really show what he could do. See a little bit of a breeze on with the flags as you watch these cars back through the West Horseshoe. 75 there, Cameron Castles with a great run. Watch that car move up a little bit earlier and have some good battles with his co-driver James French behind the wheel. And Cameron Castles, one of these guys, always has a smile on his face and it doesn't matter whether he's driving a, a GT-based car or he's learning to ply his trade a little bit now in the prototypes ran what was what is now the Michelin Pilot Series over the last several years. He won the LMP3 Masters Championship with a win at Road Atlanta last year. That was really his first foray into prototype racing was last year and just loves this car running with James French this year. And that's the plan. I, I talked to French a little earlier. He said, I hope I'm in the car all year long. That would be something that I want to do. And we talked about his ability behind the wheel as a prototype challenge champion in the WeatherTech Series in 2017. Wins at Daytona and Sebring and I believe at Watkins Glen that year. And I mean, just a stunning year that he had in that championship run in 2017. 
Kyle Massam part of that organization when they had such great success with Performance Tech. And uh, Neil Albarica there just putting a lap on number 64. Uh, Naveen Rao has taken over the wheel of that car and also oh. Scott Maxwell who's taken over the number 60 car uh, from uh, Bruce Hamilton. And looking at the bottom of timing and scoring right now, there are messages that I'm sure the 10 team doesn't want to see. Penalty, pit lane speed violation. So I'm wondering if when that penalty was served, there was a speed violation for that. The 74 car also being shown with a penalty fueling from improper pit box or a fuel rig, and that's going to be a drive-through penalty. And I noticed that when the 74 car came in, they stopped what appeared to be long, and then they pushed the car back. I wonder if they actually, if Ben Waddell actually stopped where he was supposed to, and then the crew pulled him back to the adjacent fuel rig for some reason. Maybe theirs wasn't working the way that they wanted to, so they used the other rig. But at any rate, there will be a drive-through penalty for fueling from the improper, an improper fuel rig. Alborico, McCusker, Kenton Cook in the 10, but that's going to change a little bit when he serves that drive-through penalty because I think he's only served the one at this point in time. And then Nigel Greensall being shown in fifth. Uh, so it's actually Kenton Cook is at the wheel of car number 10. Yep. Okay, fine. So, so that's now just, changed. And uh, Kenton Cook has set the just set the fastest lap of, uh, of the race. At a 144.314. He's running in the third position. He's about 19 seconds behind uh, Austin McCusker in car number 47. He actually made up nearly two seconds on him on that lap. Actually, a little bit over two seconds on him on that last lap. Uh, Neil Albrico still leads by 61.1 seconds it was last time around. He was a tenth of a second quicker than Austin McCusker. Kenton Cook was two seconds quicker than that but uh, he's still another 20 seconds behind in the third position. As Alberico streaks through the West Horseshoe. And I, think Rob, I think Rob Morgan would work in one of these cars really well. He's got prototype experience and have to get Rob Morgan back in prototype racing in a P3 car. And I say that because he just sent me a text and said, that looks like fun. <laughs> <laughs> And there's the 74 serving the penalty. It said drive-through. It didn't say stop and go on the timing monitor, so that cost extra time as you saw Wyatt Schwab pull into the box and stop and then a little stall on the way out. Inexperience there, I fancy. More frustration with the penalty in the first place. And it's, it's easy to, to do, but... It's one of those deals where that is one of those emotions that you have to control behind the wheel so that you don't make mistakes. There's already been a problem. You don't want to compound it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it comes across the line to complete lap 44 as our race leader, kind of before Neil Albrico, just about to put a lap. Is he down to yep. the inside? Yep. On the number 55 of uh, Timo Rigo, who's taken over from his brother Timo, the older brother, 22 years of age from Houston, Texas, completed just four laps prior to the race this weekend. Each of the brothers had a, a, a brief test up at New Jersey Motorsports Park, where Mo Mo uh, 47 Motorsports is based uh, earlier 
well, a few weeks ago, but it was 40 degrees outside, uh, and we only got about half an hour of running each. You're not so going to learn a lot, are you? Very little track time. So Timo is in at the deep end right here. And and the 55 car, that beautiful deep red kind of metallic co color, it looks a lot like the color that you saw on the Mazda DPI prototype last year. And in fact, it actually says Mazda on the side of it. It is not a Mazda-powered car. It is because of the scholarship win by Nico Rieger. Yep. The Mazda Road to 24 scholarship for winning last year's Battery Tender MX-5 Club per Global Challenge Series. And the uh, new generation Mazda MX-5s. Penalty message series. still on the bottom of the timing screen for the 10, and I haven't seen him in yet, but as I look out the window... Well, is that, for, is that the old, is that the penalty from before? That's the pit lane speed violation penalty. I believe what happened was they came in and served the first penalty for servicing the car from behind the wall, and there must have been a, a pit lane Here speed violation on while serving that penalty. So now Kenton Cook has to serve that. Nothing like serving a penalty that you, <laughs> that you didn't do. <laughs> yeah, right, really irritating that. Well, and you don't actually. You don't know. You, you know, it's it's one of those deals where, well, that would have, that would have been his penalty because the penalty was for service. So he, Kenton, would have served it. So it would have been his speeding violation. Good point. I had to, kind of backtrack, which for me at my age is hard to do at times. <laughs> so uh, that'll that'll elevate then number seventy-five. Of Cameron Castles up into third place. Excellent, excellent by Cameron. He's really uh, made such grounds with his driving over the last uh, 12 months. He won the Masters category last season um, and uh, is started off this season. Running now in the third position now in car number 75. Also now up into fourth will be Nigel Greensall, who's taken over from Lance Wilsey in car number 33. That is the car that's leading the all-bronze uh, driver uh, pairings for the uh, more experienced drivers in the field. The 54-year-old Englishman Nigel Grinsall, a massive amount of experience in all sorts of different cars and uh, loving the opportunity to drive this uh, LMP3 car here at Daytona International Racing. He has done the 24-hour race here before, back in... Uh, a while ago, uh, right? A while ago, yeah, nearly 20 years 97 ago. 97? He has been come back regularly for the, uh, for the HSR uh, Daytona long distance races he drives here, so everything he it's, drive uh, you, you look at the cars that he drives regularly whether it's vintage formula one cars or sedans gt based machinery and I, i'm imagining he has plenty of fun doing it when you when you uh, run down the huge, list of cars that he's run smile on his face and and that's exactly what you would see if you could see inside cameron castle's helmet right there in the 75 right now another one of these guys who is always smiling but i will tell you he is a guy that is so incredibly serious about his racing. He's spent a lot of time with his coaches and working on being better. He's his own worst enemy when, he, when it comes to the feedback. He punishes himself, I think, more than his driver coaches or his crew would ever do. He's really hard on himself because he wants to be better, and he wants to be the best that he can be, and he's having a great drive. I think he's really found a home in these prototypes. He, he, he loves them. There's Cook now being shown all the way back in ninth. But one more time, there is time to move forward. An hour and a half to go. There's going to be another round of pit stops. The problem is strategy for the four team was exemplary. 
And right now, Alberico will have to see if McCusker is holding on to the back of that lap or is indeed one lap down. No, the no. The, there's, uh, there's five cars on lead lap at the moment. The last one being kind of a 70, uh, Jonathan George. He's uh, in, uh, in danger of going a, a lap down. He'll be next in the sights of Neil Alberico. There's the 10. And Cook putting in good lap times, as you would expect, but just a bit frustrating right now. Just under an hour and a half to go from Daytona International Speedway. Scouts of America, three hour for the IMSA Prototype Challenge class. Neil Alberico with some good pit strategy between two full course cautions has managed to take his number four Ligier to the front. He's just going uh, into turn one now. The next car ahead of him on the road, I believe, is car number 70. Uh, and that is uh, Jonathan George in the, the second of the all-bronze uh, driver lineup. So number 33 car leads that uh, subcategory, if you like, with Lance Wilsey and Nigel Greensaw is driving that car right now. Uh, Joel Janko and Jonathan George has taken over the wheel now. There's number seven, 70 car. He's only three seconds behind, jo uh, behind uh, Nigel Greensaw and uh, closing last time by the better part of a second. So Jonathan George, who's uh, better known as a driver coach, hasn't done much racing at all over the last well, 10 years really, but he's been a very accomplished driver coach over the years, works with a lot of different drivers, and uh, he is showing that he's no mean pilot himself. He did a fair bit of, uh, of uh, Skip Barber racing uh, yeah. several years ago, was very, very quick, but uh, realized that uh, he didn't have the money to, to go racing himself, so concentrated on the driver coaching. And he is an exemplary driver coach, and he is used by guys who run in classes as high as IndyCar, and guys yeah. that are club racers That's he's right. he's very meticulous uh, very detail-oriented guy and he is sought after to help improve lap times for as i said a myriad of pilots through all different types of classes right now there's the 47 of mccusker alberico still out in front it's going to be interesting after this next round of pit stops to see how it all settles out because it's going to be a shootout at the end. McCusker in one of the five Norma chassis in the field. And we've talked about that car seems to have, the chassis seems to have, not the 47 in particular. They seem to have really good straight line speed and they can load them up with some downforce and try to help take care of those Michelin tires through the corners and give themselves perhaps a little better braking capability, a little better cornering because of the added downforce and still maintain a mile an hour or two in a straight line. The 47 is one of the cars that elected not to qualify yesterday in the rain, so they started well back and McCusker has Guess moved it up to second a, place. They had a problem actually uh, in qualifying. But, uh, yeah, that you're right, they didn't qualify, certainly. Two wins, two second-place finishes in Prototype Challenge in 2018 for Austin McCusker, second in the championship, so certainly knows how to get the job done. And so does this man. Neil Alperico may forget all about being able to see the tires and wheels and sitting in a small 
little monocoque of a formula car. I think he, he may be really digging on this uh, prototype challenge category as he leads here at Daytona after some great pit stop strategy. And, and it was really a call that I thought was a very sound one because it was closing in on the window and with a call of debris on the racetrack and then the problems that we saw, it was a great job to get the number four in, get that pit stop done and get Alberico out and on the racetrack. Leo Lamellas had started in the four. That'll be interesting to see as well. Will they, will they put Leo back in for the final stint, or are they going to leave yeah. Neil in for a double? Yeah, that's going to be a, an interesting call for that team. Young Brazilian, just uh, 21 years of age. Neil Alberico is... Uh, his 26th birthday at the end of last month from California, originally from Los Gatos in the Bay Area and lives now down in uh, San Clemente, Southern California. So just, a, just uh, well, same town as uh, Colin Filippi was originally from, although Connor's now moving over to the East Coast. You see the 47 coming up on Baker there in the 19. That's not for position. Baker down in the order a bit. You kind of get an idea, even though with the black body work on the norm, it's kind of hard to see the lines. But you can see the subtle nuances, the difference between the Norma, uh, the 47, and the 19, which is a Lisier chassis. You can see little differences in the nose. Just a little bit on the back end of the car as well. When you put them side by side and can walk around them, you can you can see those subtleties. And it's like any engineer and any race car designer does. They look at a project and they go, what do we want to really maximize? You know, what do we want the best out of this car? And I think a lot of times you have to look at it and say, what's the purpose of the car? And a P3 car, obviously, an LMP3-based machine is designed to be a stepping stone series, a training series. So you want a car that maybe is a little more rounded in its performance curve that's not going to punish you too much if you step up on either side of the line, a little better rounded balance. I don't want to say easy to drive because they are 180-mile-an-hour cars, but something that's just a little bit more forgiving mm -hmm. because of the, the driver that you know you're going to place in it. That's right. There's a big uh, variety of, of drivers in terms of their experience, their there and uh, certainly their experience and yeah, a lot of these guys are uh, don't have a lot of time in this sort of car and some of them do so there's certainly some big variations in in speed out there but some certainly some great racing going on and that was a great strategic call by and some motorsports to bring that number four car in during uh what turned out to be a break between two caution yeah. periods and they're taking full advantage and neil Arbrucco, he's uh, Stretch lead just a little bit. It's, it's 63 seconds uh, this lap. Uh, it was uh, it's gone up by about two seconds, but only over, over the last, uh, what, uh, nine laps. So it's really changed hardly at all between Neil Albrucco and Austin McCusker. Cameron Castle's a long, long way back in third position. Car number 10 that we saw charging along. Kenton Cook had to make that extra uh, drive-through penalty pit stop. It dropped him down into the seventh position. No, it didn't. It dropped him down to ninth position. He's already up into sixth but he is uh, currently a lap down to the overall leader. And there's the battle also now 
in the fourth position is Jonathan George, who's managed to find his way past uh, Lance uh, Nigel Greensall. So Cameron Castles is just ahead of Columbus Stephanie. Those, those cars headed now towards the East Horseshoe, the battle for third, fourth, and uh, close behind them also is, is fifth, fifth position, 75, 70, and 33. Cameron Castles is going to have his hands full of Jonathan George here shortly. Greensall, as you said, has already fallen victim to George, and there's a look at Neil Alberico. Yeah, and Neil uh, has just done a 145.377 last time around. That's his best lap of the race. And over the last uh, 10 laps, through six of them, uh, Alberico set his best lap uh, in that car. Uh, a 46.1, he managed on lap 41. Here we are on lap 51, and he's just uh, turned a 145.3. So uh, he's finding... Uh, pace as he gets more experience in the car. Did, had very little running yesterday, did Neil, because they had an engine problem in the second practice session. Get, didn't get an opportunity to qualify that car as a result of that. So Neil Alberico, he's doing all his learning right now on the race track, and he's leading this motor race and doing just an excellent job. Uh, the gap from, uh, from first to second, uh, again, 63 seconds uh, as a complete lap 51 with an hour and just under an hour and 20 minutes remaining. So just over halfway through this three-hour race. And Jonathan George has gotten past Cameron Castles, and now the 33 of Nigel Greensall has Castles in his sight. Greensall in the red, white, and blue, number 33. Castles just in front in the blue and white 75, and we'll see... If Nigel, oh, and a little twitch well, in there. Oh, and the well, twitch was because th that's the, leaders. the 75 goes around. The leaders are in there. Who's, who's spun it? That Cameron Castle. Cameron Castle spun. Okay. Well, and, and Kenton Cook is trying to get his lap back, and I think has done. He's just got his lap back, I believe, from Neil Alberico. That was all very tight down there in turn one. Didn't see exactly what happened, but Castles ends up getting the worst of it. Sits backwards, and now a problem for the 86. That's down in turn six, I believe. Is that turn one as that, well? That's turn no, that's one turn well, one. Yeah, it? that's turn one as well. He may have been involved. And there's that car has damage. You'll see that the left front is up in the air. That tells me there's damage on the right rear. Let's take a look. So Castle's out there on his own. He's left his braking too late. 33 slides by. Just about gets through on the inside. No, that, that, that flash of cars going through on the left of the screen, that was uh, Neil Albrecht. And there's the 86 spinning, but something looked askew when he pulls back out. It's like the left front didn't seem to be turning. It's almost like there was a suspension problem on the right rear, and the car was sitting down on the right rear. Castles back underway there's the 86 yeah the right rear is down so not a suspension issue but a tire issue and that is a huge problem three and a half miles around this racetrack and you've got to go slow michelin builds an awesome tire we saw a tire problem earlier on one of the other cars they don't tend to come apart like a saw blade but you can't carry big speed. You've got to limp the car back around. And the problem is that happened in turn one. Perhaps the slide, the spin, just wore through the rubber on that Michelin tire and caused it to go down. But it's going to be a long, painful trip 
back around for Dave House in the 86. Yeah, it is. And uh, so the man on the move right now is Kenton Cook. He's got his lap back from Neil Albrook. So back onto the, onto the, uh, onto the lead lap. He's also uh, passed uh, a couple of cars on this last lap. He's absolutely flying, is Kenton Cook. I was going to say. And uh, he's, uh, I think he's, by now he's probably got past Nigel Greensall as well. So he'll be setting his side on, on sights again on third place not too long from now. Good lap time. Scott Maxwell also turning good lap times as well. He was down in the 45s last time by. That was a good half second faster than Kenton Cook. So Maxwell may not have been in a prototype in 10 years like you told me earlier today, <laughs> but certainly has good pace. And here's the 86 trying to get back around. Like I said, you, you can't carry too much speed you're sitting down on that right rear anyway because of the deflated tire. That's going to create some dragging issues, and you don't want to wear out components. You certainly don't want the tire to come apart and turn basically into a bandsaw and cut bodywork and perhaps suspension components with it if it comes undone. There's the four. Alberico going around the 33 of Greensall, so putting him another lap down. Very, very impressed with Neil Alberico in this prototype challenge event today. This entire team, good pit strategy, good lap times by both drivers in the four. Yeah, particularly seeing uh, how few laps he's, he's had in this car. Well, it's one of those things where every lap he's learning, I would he think. Is. Alberico, then McCusker, Jonathan George, Kenton Cook, and Nigel Greensall. That is the top five right now from Daytona International Speedway. And Alberico just really kind of putting on a clinic, smooth sailing for him, having to work through traffic a little bit from time to time. Dave House has got that car back to the pits, car number 86. Great job. Yeah. Great job. And frustrating, and I'm sure it felt just dreadfully slow. For him, but he's gotten it back. The tires stayed together. I don't see any damage to the bodywork on the car. And while it's not good news that he had the problem, the good news is the car is back in one piece. Yeah. Yeah. Hats off, hats off for him for doing that. That's a, a patience and experience there yep. from Dave House, the oldest driver in the race at a remarkable 75 years young. It looks like Paul LaHaye is standing there with his seat insert. He's going to get back in. And as we said, they were going to see if they had a good time in this car and perhaps come back and do more and invest a little more in the series. It would be great to see them back. As Alberico down into turn one. Once again, one hour, 13 minutes, and 45 seconds to go I'm here round one of the 2019 season for IMSA Prototype Challenge, the 50th anniversary season for IMSA, and it couldn't start off in any better fashion. The weather is absolutely perfect. The racing has been intense from the drop of the green. That first stint, the first stint drivers that we watched had some great battles side by side, maybe even a little rubbing down the front straightaway through the tri-oval at 180 miles an hour by a couple of the competitors. Good stuff, good professional driving, and... Uh, a joy to see this series beginning to grow even more. Expect more cars in the future. 
There are more cars that are out there. There are, yeah. Max Crawford from uh, Ligier was telling me he sold five cars fairly recently, and uh, none of those cars are actually here yet this weekend, so we're expected to see those at the next round. The next round will be at Sebring. A couple of other cars that were run last year are for sale as well. And just waiting for another team or two to jump into the fray and bring some drivers with them. Great formula, the prototype challenge category. Silver and bronze drivers only at this point in time. Some young guns looking to establish themselves and begin to build a career in sports car racing and some more experienced businessmen type drivers who love the thrill of driving in prototype type machinery. And that's exactly what the series was designed for. 70 of Jonathan George Ooh, in big lock up there from yeah, Neil Alberico, the, the race leader, and uh, not far behind him on, on the road there is the battle for fifth position with number 33, Nigel Greensall, coming under increasing pressure now from the veteran Scott Maxwell, yet another Canadian. They love to come down <laughs> to uh, Florida in a bit of time, don't they, for a bit of warmer weather. Uh, but Scott Maxwell, he's uh, sharing that number 60 uh, Wolver Racing machine uh, with Bruce Hamilton and Tony's Kazimitz who will take the final stint uh, in mm, probably about less than 50 minutes' time. Well, and Scott, a funny guy, massively experienced several championships under his belt and probably countless race wins. I can only imagine what his trophy room looks like at home. But he's busy this weekend running in the Michelin Pilot Series as well here in the Prototype Challenge Series. And he was scurrying around today. He said, I don't even know where I'm supposed to be, when I'm supposed to be there. But you know what? I only have four laps in the car so far, but hopefully I'll get a lot more than that in my stint. And as I said, he had, was talking about the, it had been a while since he had driven a prototype, but it seems to be coming back to him pretty quickly. You look at his lap times. They're all down in the 45, the one-minute 45-second range, which is exactly what Alborico and Cusker are running, Kitten Cook quicker than that the fastest car on the racetrack right now at a 44.3 the last time by yeah, must have had a spin on that lap for uh, jason bell perhaps he lost a lot of ground he was running in the 12th position uh, just ahead he's been closed upon by uh, nico ronde in car number 11 well nico ronde has gone past and now actually closed up on rob hoders in car number 51 as well alberico beginning to close down on jonathan george in front i tell you the four looks a little like the grip has gone away. The balance has gone away for Alberico a little bit. The car seems to move a lot, a bit twitchy in the braking zones. Yeah, well, he's getting, he's certainly getting now towards the time for yep. his, uh, that car's second pit stop. He was the first car, of course, uh, to come on to pit lane, and that was, that was uh, probably 10 minutes before the rest of the field. He's got to go another 10 minutes, though, Yep. if he wants to make it to the checkered flag with just one more stop. And that's what we had talked about earlier on was how far really can you go on full green flag runs. He has had some yellow flag laps because, remember, they pitted between the two full course cautions. Yep. So he'll get a little bit of fuel savings benefit because of that. But you want to get inside that one-hour mark, I would think, before you make that final pit stop. Most of the numbers that we had heard on fuel mileage was somewhere between 
55 minutes and an hour with one outlier out there that said they could go almost an hour and 15 minutes. But on average, it was the 57, 58-minute range. You've got a mandatory three-minute stop here at Daytona. It'll be two and a half minutes for the rest of the season, but due to the length of the pit lane here and the length of pit out once you leave the pit lane, it's a three-minute stop. So you would think that with an hour to go, you could hit pit lane and be okay. So there's a change of position there for fifth position right behind Neil Albrico, who's heading now towards the East Horseshoe. The two cars behind him uh, is uh, Scott Maxwell and Nigel Greensall. That uh, position has just changed. So uh, in fourth position, the last car on the lead lap is car number 70, Jonathan George. He leads the all-bronze category in this race. Uh, right behind him then is uh, another veteran driver, Scott Maxwell, and N Nigel Greensall in car number 33 back into sixth place. And a bit of a gap back to the uh, older of the two Riga brothers, Timo, in car number 55 in seventh. be interesting to see if Jonathan can keep that position. He's, or he was, right there lap time-wise within a tenth of where Alberico was. So Alberico's closing, but not by very much right now. And George would love to be able to stay on the lead lap, although he's got to know that the four is going to be pitting pretty soon. And if you're the crew of Neil Alberico, you need to be telling him as well, look, you're going to be pitting in a couple of laps. Don't take any risks in order to get one more car. Yeah, you'd love to do it, but just be smart about how it happens. It's not the run to the checkered flag just yet. Let's get in position. And as we said, it'll be interesting to see, will Alberico stay in the car? Will they hand it back over to Leo Lamellas for the final stint? been told that in the 10 Stephen McAleer will take that car back over and will Fluker get back in the 47 good question good question uh, he certainly had a very good uh, opening stint but Austin McCusker he's just turned the, the best lap of the race in that particular car kind of 47 in second place the gap still over a minute though uh, from himself to the race leader Neil Alberico and a new fastest lap of the race last time around by Kenton Cook in car number 10 chasing along there in third position he's another half a minute behind austin mccusker in that third position is kenton cook and he's uh, edged out now to 10 seconds ahead of jonathan george who's the last car on the lead lap and only just only directly just. ahead of neil albrico on the race right there they are heading up onto the banking in turn six neil albrico leads in the number four ligier the Black, red, and white, number four. Just in front of him is the number 70 Ligier, Jonathan George. George in fourth. So Alberico trying to put only three cars on the lead lap with an hour and five minutes to go. And like I said, as the crew for Alberico, you've got to be keeping him in touch with where you are. And for Jonathan George, remember what he does the vast majority of the time for a living, he is a driver coach. He knows keenly where he fits in, and he knows that the four is going to be coming into the pit sometime soon as well. So 
you want to hold on to what you can, but at the same point in time, you have to be intelligent about how hard you're going to push. George still there, but in the breaking zone, Alberico just a little bit deeper, has the preferred inside line, got the position done back on the banking and managed to hold on to it through one and two. Yep, so that's now just uh, four cars on the, on the uh, three cars, excuse me, on, on the uh, lead lap. And now into the pits to begin the second round of pit stops with 64 minutes remaining. It's a little bit early. Is Scott Maxwell in car number 60? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. They're going to have to go an hour and two minutes yeah. on fuel. We've heard, once again, 57, 58 minutes, maybe an hour. Uh, not much more than that, but that's what they're going to have to do to get to the checkered flag in that car. Tony's Kazmetz will be told those things that you never want to hear as a driver. Go as fast as you can and save as much fuel as possible, which is hard to do here at Daytona. Any racetrack where a vast majority of your lap is full throttle, you're burning fuel, and it you know, other racetracks, you can coast into braking zones a little bit more. You think about Road America, you can come off the throttle and to a place like Turn 5 a little bit more and let the downhill take advantage a little bit and kind of coast to a braking zone. But here at Daytona, from the time you leave Turn 6 until the bus stop and the exit of the bus stop all the way back around to Turn 1 is full throttle. And then all that full throttle acceleration through the infield, you're burning some fuel. The 51 now in. Hodis in in the 51. Remember the strong run that we saw from this car earlier in the hands of Garrett Grist, who qualified on the pole, cleared by two seconds. And Grist will be getting back in as the door comes open. Hodis is climbing out. And Grist certainly isn't going to be a guy that plays forward in the NBA or also linebacker in the <laughs> no. NFL. No, he's another jockey size, isn't he? Absolutely right. Wonder still, though, about the smoke that I have seen for the last almost two hours out of the left rear of that 51. Mirrors? Alberico <laughs> lapping uh, nice and consistently when he has a when he has a clear track ahead of him. 45.4 last time around for our race leader. It's only a tenth of a second away from his, fast, his fastest lap uh, in that car, which was set 10 laps ago. 61 laps completed, an hour and two minutes remaining. So the 51 will need to run right at an hour. They came in right about the hour and three minute mark, three minute mandatory pit stop. That means they'll have to run right around an hour on the racetrack. We're getting to the point where I can understand some damage to the back. Was that the 23? A little bodywork hanging off. There's the four. Yeah, we're getting to the point now, Jeremy, where I would e expect to start seeing a few more stops. There's the 23, and I think the right rear, what we sometimes call the cheese wedge, the little bit of the under tray there on the right rear looks to be damaged. Jason Bell had that spin earlier when he left pit lane on his outlap, and I don't think it would have happened there. 
And the new best lap for our race leader, Neil Alberico, 145.266 that time around. The gap back to second place, 61.6 seconds. The gap from second to third, just under half a minute now for the first time in a long, long time. That's uh, Kenton Cook in car number 10. It's going to get tight here at the end. Yes, it it's going to get good. Three cars on the lead lap right now, and then Nigel Greensall in the 33 in fourth, the first of the lap down cars. And Alberico out of turn six and up onto the banking one more time, right at one hour to go. So at this point in time, based upon what we were told with those 57, 58 minute run times, you should be able to come to pit lane and indeed starting to see cars do just that. Will the four pit this time? Including our second place car. Car number 47, Austin McCusker brings that car in. Right behind him is uh, that's Looks like Nico Wande as well, isn't it? I believe it is. The 11 is in. There's the four. Neil Alberico, what will he do? McCusker in second place. Service already being done. The New fastest lap there for uh, uh, Kenton Cook in car number... 10, 144.089, and that is a new lap record. He uh, finally just got below the mark set last year by Daniel Morad, 144.114 it was, 123 miles an hour one year ago. Uh, it just been eclipsed by Kenton Cook. Here is our race leader, yep. Neil Alberico, on two pit lane. And we're going to find out what's going to happen as far as driver changes go. It looks to me like McCusker stayed in the 47. What will we see in the four? Crew is on the wall. Michelin tires coming out. I don't see a driver standing on the wall or beginning to move to the car. And that's a smart move. Uh, Leo Lamellas did a really nice opening stint in that car, but Neil Albrico, he's in the groove. He's driving well. He's a very experienced driver. He certainly hasn't done a race anything like this length before, but uh, he's done an absolutely superb job. He just set on his previous lap, he said his best lap of the race so far. So he's absolutely in the groove with Neil Albrico. No reason to change uh, change things up right now. And what about the 10? When will we see them on pit lane? And with Kenton Cook just setting a new lap record, what do you do as far as the pilot in the 10? Do you put Stephen McAleer back in, who started the race, who's going to be one of your regular season drivers, or do you leave Kenton Cook in? Yeah. Good question. Glad I don't have to make those decisions. <laughs> I just get to ask the question, right? I don't have to decide. And there's the 10. And we'll have to see if Kenton Cook pits next time by. He's going through turn one this time. Alberico going to stay in the four. And this Robillard Racing team with the 10 has to be pleased with what they've done as far as providing a really good car. Stephen McAleer was exceptional in the rain yesterday. Felt like he had a lap for the pole, but spun in the rain on that last lap, one that the predictive told him would have put him on the pole. But as Jeremy, you said earlier, woulda, shoulda, coulda, right? Yep. But still started on the front row. They run up front all day long. Both McAleer and Cook have been impressive behind the wheel of it. And right now in a good position, as time closes down, 57 minutes to go. I would expect to see the 10 in soon. They should be well within inside the window for fuel. Yep. And if and Ken Cook can continue to lay down 
impressive lap times, why would he not? If he can continue to lay down those impressive lap times, it'll just build the gap bigger for Stephen McAleer if he takes over the 10. It's certainly very, very impressive to see such uh, good lap times being being uh, turned at this stage in the race. Uh, you know, right at the end of that stint for Lil Abraham, literally his last lap before he came onto pit lane, he turned his best lap. That is remarkable consistency from these Michelin tyres. Well, I wonder too, um, you know, and obviously the Michelin tyres, we talked about when they begin to fall off. It's very gradual. The balance stays the same. The car is good. But the car is getting lighter and lighter. And one of the things Jim Griffith from Polestar told me earlier is, you want to make sure that when the tires begin to go away, it matches the reduced weight of the fuel load going away so that in the latter half you've got a really well-balanced car. And I think we've seen both the tire manufacturer be able to do that in Michelin and the teams be able to come up with a setup on the car that is a, a consistent setup and one that actually may improve towards the latter stages because we've seen these fast laps by several drivers yeah. in the second half of the stint. Yeah, we have. So, uh, you know, certainly there's, there's no real benefit, uh, I think, in necessarily in, in staying out. You want a, you know, a lighter fuel. So it, re it really doesn't make any difference when you make your pit stop, I guess is what I'm trying to say, because the tyres seem to be as good at the yep. end of the stint as they are at the beginning. Yeah, there's no hurry to get in because mm -hmm. you need new skins. No, nope. and Kent Cook has just taken over, by the way, the lead of the race by staying out uh, to complete his uh, 64th lap. 1 minute 45.1 was his last lap around. That was just a tenth of a second quicker than the best lap turned by Neil Albrecher before he made his pit stop. So it'll be interesting to see. Things will get shaken up here on this pit stop for the 10. Once again, he'll spend three minutes on pit lane, not stationary, but three minutes from the pit in line to the pit out line. And things on timing and scoring will take a little while to settle out while that pit stop is being executed. And as I said earlier, the other question that remains is what will Robillard Racing do as far as drivers go? Will they put a fresh Stephen McAleer back in? And there is the 10 by the line one more time. 54 minutes, inside 54 minutes. And I guess it's one of those things you look at the lap times that Kenton Cook is putting in, just another low 44 all that's doing is continuing to build the gap to the cars that run behind him. And so when they do make the stop, whether Kenton Cook stays in or whether he hands it to Stephen McAleer, the gap is going to get bigger. And any error or mistake that you may make in the pit stop will cost less and or you just have that much more of a cushion. Now the 33 of Greensall in. Forty-four two five that time for uh, Kenton Cook, so he's pushing hard. That's uh, almost a full second quicker than his previous lap around. It's within a couple of tenths of his best lap of the race so far. So once again, right at the end of his stint. Oh, that was close. It was close. It was Nigel Greensall coming into the pit lane. He will hand over, I believe, to Lance Wilsey for the final stint. Yep, Alex Clambers, the Englishman. Kenton Cook doing double duty this weekend, also running in the Michelin Pilot Challenge in the TCR class in his Audi. So he's had plenty of track time. True. 
And once again, an impressive young man. Looks like a basketball player. Tall. We, we were at a dinner last night for one of the manufacturers in the GTD category. And I was laughing because there were a bunch of ex-race car drivers around, and we were all in that 5'7 to 5'9 kind of range and then I look at all these young guys and it must be the antibiotics in the chicken they're all <laughs> they're all tall right another consistently fast lap from Kenton Cook 144.230 just two hundredths of a second wow. quicker than his previous lap superb and, and what just 15 one hundredths off his best lap yeah so shows you why he has the championship pedigree that he does and just how good he is. We talked about silver and bronze rated drivers only in this category, but sometimes you have to scratch your head at the rating system a little bit. And when you look at the talent of some of these drivers, if you measured it based upon just what you see in the lap time and consistencies and not based on championships and the like, you'd probably move some guys up. Not that they would want that by any stretch of the imagination because it could take opportunity away, but Hinton Cook is one of those drivers who certainly has immense ability, and he's young. He'll continue to get better as he goes. As the 33 crew gives him a thumbs up, holding him, waiting for the time. The engineers know exactly when they cross the line, and they know how long it takes to get from their pit stop, for their pit stall out to yeah. the pit exit line. So... They sit there and they time it. They know just how long to hold him and when to send him to make sure that he doesn't run afoul of that three-minute window. And there's Kenton Cook finally with 51 minutes to go. 51 and 20 seconds, he crosses the pit end line. And we'll roll down to his pit stall. They'll affect the pit stop, and we'll see if there will be a driver change or not for Robillard Racing in their Ligier right up to the board and Stephen McAleer will indeed climb back in McAleer runs out he's got not really an insert but just a piece of padding that he'll use a little bit of height difference between the two a couple of inches and they'll affect that driver change once again they've got time fuel flow is not exceedingly quick in these cars It'll be interesting to see. You see the vent can on the right side. The fuel hose is on the left side. Typically on a full fill, the vent operator will wait until fuel begins to bubble up in that can, and then they'll know that it's full. I wonder, there's no reason to do a timed fill because well, this know, pit you, stop takes three minutes anyway. Yeah, but it'll be, it'll be timed to, to how much fuel they need to go in, won't it? I mean, they know the fuel flow yeah. rate, so it'll be... Whatever it's, what? it's about 45 seconds for a full fill. This is not a full fill. It's uh, what 12% uh, less than that with 10 minutes. But why wouldn't you just go, go ahead and fill it? Because you want less. Because you want less less fuel on board. You don't want to put any more fuel weight. than you need to. Yeah. You don't want to be short. You don't want to be. You <laughs> don't want to be short. You do not want to be making that. Mistake. I'm sitting here going, how do you eliminate more mistakes? It's a three-minute time anyway. So uh, maybe they timed it and just said, we'll put one more gallon in than what we need, but we're certainly not going to be short. And then McAleer will head back out. What we'll have to wait and see is 
once he comes past the line the first time and cycles through, then we'll have a much better idea of what our run to the checkered flag is going to look like. Right now, just over 49 minutes to go, and there is the number 40, the number four, I should say. I started to say 44. The number four, Neil Alberico. What a great job this young man has done. Limited prototype experience. All of his racing experience has really been in formula cars, but he has adapted very well to this Anson Motorsports. Ligier has done an exceptional job. And you got to feel like that with more time, he can become a star in this category. Now, think about the number 10 car as well. They have come back from two drive-through penalties, one yeah. for a service infraction from behind the wall and one for a pit lane speed violation. And yet, Kenton Cook kept his head down, stayed focused, and drove that number 10 to the front as Stephen McAleer now exits pit lane. We'll see how the order stacks up when he gets back to the line and get a, a better idea of what kind of run we're going to have to the checkered flag. 10 shown in the lead when they pitted. Then it was Neil Alberico, then McCusker, Schwab, Kazimitz. Yep. And Schwab is just on to pit lane for his final pit stop of the day. Yep. And a problem at the exit of turn two, car backwards. And that's, that's an issue because it's blind. And that's the number two. Klemecki behind the wheel. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, cause I, I was just thinking about that, actually. Sorry about that, Michael. Uh, that was the <laughs> car that had the problem earlier on, of course, uh, with John Brownson when they, uh, the, the uh, what happened, the him off the rim or something, didn't it? Or they had a, yes. a puncture. Yep. They stopped out on track, but they got that car back out again. But uh, Michael's just turned that car around. So they're running at the back of the field, there. but uh, hats off to him for getting that yep. car back out in the fray. Neil Albrico, by the way, has uh, retaken the race lead. Uh, with the pit stop for Kenton Cook. Oh, don't touch. Don't touch. Oh. Yep, he did. Kind of crinkled the uh, front splitter there a little bit, and we'll have to see if that's going to rub or create a problem that he's going to have to come to pit lane and have it changed. The problem now is if you haven't spent a whole lot of time in these cars, you got to get it into reverse, and I know that that sounds like it should be relatively easy, but there's a process with these paddle shift gearboxes and you've got to be able to work the process to get that done so he can back that car away from the barrier there and there we go headed in the right direction yeah, and michael's another one who has had very few laps uh, prior to this weekend he was a multiple pole sitter last season in the mpc category didn't do the full season piece of uh, business commitments but uh, he's certainly enjoying the opportunity to drive this LMP3 car, and well, at least he wasn't yeah. until just now. We had a class win at Barber, the three pole positions that you talked about. But it's difficult. I mean, we've talked about what a great platform this... Number 10 car has stopped out on a racetrack. Uh-oh. Has it? This is shown on the screen as having stopped out on a racetrack. Is that the car on the exit of Turn 5? Who's that there? No, that's, that's no. Michael Klemecki rejoining. There is a car off the road. Driver's right at the exit of turn five. Yes, it is. It is, the 10. Oh, my goodness. A mechanical issue. Just been he was absolutely flying on that last lap as well. Oh, no, he wasn't. That was the... That he was just his. come out of the pit lane. Yeah, he just come out of the pits. You're right. We were going to wait to see where 
that car filtered into the order. McAleer had taken it over from Kenton Cook, who established a new track record during that middle stint. McAleer had had a great run in the early going, running in the top three the entire time until the pit stop. Then they served a couple of penalties, drive-through penalties. Cook was spectacular behind the wheel, as we've come to expect. Is the right rear tire missing? Is the right rear wheel uh, yes. missing? Ouch. Oops. Yeah, you see the left front up in the air, and the right rear is is the right rear yeah. at the apex there and the cut through? Did it come, come off? Full course caution. Kink? Full course caution. I think it right. came off. It looks like it's there, and there it is, yep, on the cut through down at the West Horseshoe. Yeah. So it must have come off then coming through the kink. So oh. been, uh, that got his attention. All right. Well, uh, even the if good it, news is, even if is it didn't separate in the kink, it was loose yeah, in the kink, exactly. and that certainly no, no, got no, your that's, attention. That's no fun. The uh, so the good news is this will, this will uh, close up the pack. The bad bad news is we only have two cars on the lead lap. That's Neil Alberico in car number four who leads, and Austin McCusker in the 47 Motorsports car number 47 in second place. Uh, Tony's Kazimitz, I'm pretty sure, is a lap down in third position in car number 60. So McCusker with a lot more experience in type than Neil Alberico has, but we talked about what a talented young driver Neil Alberico is, and obviously Austin McCusker is as well. So this might set up to be quite a shootout. And even though Tony's Kazimitz is back, if these two get together, <laughs> that could change. Could. And I'm sure that the crew's probably on the radio with Neil Alberico going, you've got this, just do what you've done, stay focused. The problem is, if you want to say that there's a problem at all, well, no, both McCusker and Alberico will be doing double stints, so they're going to be worn out. They're going to be pretty tired. McAleer out of the car and... Yeah, you think That's about a heartbreak for that team. They had just left pit lane, so for some reason, that single lug did not lock up and keep that Michelin tire and wheel on the right rear of that Norma chassis for Robillard Racing. And there are things called keepers on that hub. They're little tabs that pop out a lot of times on some of the hubs that keep that nut on there. But obviously, either the keepers didn't work or the nut wasn't on far enough for the keepers to pop up behind them. And that's separated. But it could have been a lot worse. Having a right rear leave the vehicle at this racetrack, if you had been up on the banking, even turning in for the bus stop under braking at a high rate Ooh, of speed. Yeah. All that could have been a problem. It couldn't have been comfortable going through the kink. It, perhaps he felt it before then and was already at a slower speed and therefore was able to keep the car under control. But certainly it's not like you want to have a wheel ever leave the car. But at the same point in time, the right rear is – not the one that I would choose here, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly right. So it's a uh, you, you, bit of good fortune, but a lot of bad fortune for that 
Robillard Racing Team, run by Mule Motorsports, based in Dillon, Florida, just down the road from here. So a home race, effectively, for that team. A German uh, owned Bernard Mueller, uh, Mühlner, uh, who's uh, run some GT4 cars in the past and hoping to do so again. So there's a look at the left front off of one of the prototype challenge cars. You can see the center hub. You can't really see the keeper behind the wheel nut, but you see the one big wheel nut. And the keepers are just little tabs that pop up, and they're, they're very difficult to see. But if they're not on there, that nut is going to come off. It's just that one single nut around the... the uh, front spindle there and it's going to come off and the wheel's going to depart and it's obviously what happened that was from the number four so a nice tight shot there of the number four of neil alberico but yeah and uh, neil alberico he's uh, he's got only 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 austin mccusker on the lead on the lead lap but mccusker is going to be behind at least uh, a handful of cars that are one lap down. Second place on the road behind the race leader is actually the third place car. That's Tony's Kazimitz for Volvo Racing. Really good job by that team this weekend. Jonathan George is right behind him in car number 70. Alex Barron is back at the wheel number 64, having taken over from uh, Naveen Rao at the, the wheel of that uh, the uh, Star, Work, uh, Star Wars X wing machine in car number 64. Lance Wilsey has also retaken the wheel number 33 car from Nigel Greensill. He's running in sixth position just ahead of Timo Riga in car number 55. I think all those cars are just ahead of Austin McCusker actually on the racetrack but McCusker will be second place overall. Naveen Rao is another story when you when you talk about people who have a passion for the sport he he has an education for the sport too i would say when you think about what it is that he does he's the vp and general manager of artificial intelligent products group at <laughs> intel and when i looked up his education yeah, scary, his undergrad from duke his master's in electrical engineering from stanford and his phd in computational neuroscience from yeah. brown so i guess it's no surprise <laughs> that he should have a uh, a uh, fascination yeah for star wars huh well and he's he's got a fascination for what makes things work and and always has from the time that he was a child and i think that's the way he uh, approaches his racing and really couldn't pick a better partner to race with than alex Barron, who was always known as a very fast race car driver but a pretty cerebral one as well when you look at some of the teams that Alex Barron had driven for in the IndyCar series, Dan Gurney and All-American Racers, Penske Racing, Dale Coyne, Arciero Blair, Mo Nunn, Sam Schmidt, Team Cheever. I mean, it kind of goes on and on and on. And they they picked him because of his mm -hmm. speed and his personality. And I think Naveen Rayo, probably a pretty good pick, too, there when you're looking for a coach and a co-driver. <laughs> So, what, 38 minutes remaining in this three-hour Scouts of America opening round of the IMSA Prototype Challenge season. Neil Albrico, who leads for Ansa Motorsports, Florida-based team, in the Ligier car number four in second position for 47 motorsports. His car number 47, one of the Norma M30s, Austin McCusker from Glenhead, New York, on Long Island. And in third position, one lap down, originally from Estonia, now based in Munderlein, Illinois, has been there for many, many years, is Tony Skazimitz, who's got a huge amount of experience driven just about everything that's possible to drive over the years, has Tony's. 
because if you gave him an opportunity, oh, yeah. he would. It, it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Make sure your keys aren't in your car out in the parking lot because if he gets an opportunity to drive that, he may take it <laughs> as well. He'll drive anything. And he's another guy who's, uh, who's uh, made a, a kind of a career out of the sport. He's a, a very accomplished driver coach. Yep. He works with Pabst Racing, racing uh, on the Mazda Road to Indy, the open wheel categories. Also with, uh, with Cahill Motorsports in the, uh, the feeder, feeder categories, the F, F1600, the old equivalent of what used to be Formula Ford, and, uh, which is celebrating its uh, 50th anniversary in this country this season. There'll be three, at least three or four major celebrations of uh, Formula Ford this season. Don't miss those. But Tony is just a huge enthusiast and uh, great to see him running here in the uh, podium position. And great to see this. It's the Boy Scouts three-hour from here at Daytona for Prototype Challenge, the 50th anniversary of IMSA. And look at the campers that have come out, the Boy Scouts that are here. I think we've got a group of Girl Scouts here and a group, a huge group of race fans. I don't know that I've seen this many cars at the Speedway for the Roar in a long, long time. The weather, absolutely perfect today. And if you're frustrated with this cleanup, don't be, because the safety workers here are doing exactly what they need to do to get that stricken number 10 out of the way. It is difficult to load these race cars on a flatbed, especially the prototypes, because of such the low ride height. And you've got to pick it up carefully so that you're not damaging the machine any more than it already has been. Yeah, it's difficult enough when it's got four wheels yeah. on it. When it's only got when it's three, only three. It's, it's a lot more difficult. And they've done a great job to, to get it out of the way, and they're going to take the shortest route off the racetrack so we can get back to racing as soon as possible. Meanwhile, go ahead and do the wave in the grandstand. I see the grandstand over in the International Horseshoe, and there's a group of people over there, so I fully expect you to start the wave. No, that's not going to happen. And there is a group of Boy Scouts having a good time. I mean, they didn't even come for the race cars. They just came for the environment that is here at the Speedway and come back for the Rolex 24, and I hope a lot of the fans that are down on the infield do exactly that in a few weeks' time. Always a great time to be had here, and with the manufacturers midway and everything else that happens Rolex 24 weekend, certainly a place you want to be. Are the lights out on the uh, safety car now? I think they might be. I think they may be as well, Just but the racetrack race looks clear of safety vehicles. They have taken the 10 off at the West Horseshoe and will bring it back via one of the service roads. And right now, Neil Alberico leads in the number four, the first race of 2019 for the Interma International Motorsports Association, the 50th anniversary of IMSA lights out on the safety car. And you know a few of these guys behind him, or several of these cars behind him, are going to want to try and get past him and get back onto the lead lap, hoping for another full course caution. Alberico maintaining the pace of the safety car. Green flag waves racing again at Daytona. What can Austin McCusker in the 47 do right now? Alberico, not a lot of experience at all in a prototype, leads the field. <laughs> Down to Daytona. Oh, and lockup out on the outside. Is that the 47? Alberico slides a little bit wide. That's going to give Jonathan George Ooh. an opportunity to get alongside him as they head towards the East Horseshoe. Can't get and it now done. Alex Barron looking to the inside of George for second. Well, first for what? For third position. A lot of lockup on these cars. We've got a car off. That's the, the 51. Yeah, it was awfully tight down there, turn one and turn three. And there's an off there for Garrett Griss. That's put, going to put him right at the back of the pack. 
I'm just not sure if these drivers had gotten their Michelin tires back up to temperature after being behind the safety car for as yeah. long as they were. A lot of lockup in turn one, a lot of lockup into the International Horseshoe on this first lap. Alberico holds down the point back onto the banking out of turn six. Jonathan George just behind. What happened to Austin McCusker? How far back did he drop? Got just a little wide, a little high there in turn one. 32 minutes left to go. Round one of the 2019 IMSA Prototype Challenge Series. Scouts of America three-hour through the bus stop after the restart. Under caution the last time because of the right wheel that departed the number 10 from Robillard Racing. Stephen McAleer had just pitted and hadn't gotten even one lap in when that right rear wheel departed. Stalled at the West Horseshoe, and he had to go full course caution to get him. Alberico with a great run, limited prototype experience, learning lap by lap, leads the first lap after the restart, hopefully the final restart, and the run to the checkered flag. Now 32 minutes to go. Just under five seconds, they got back to Austin McCusker in second position. So take a look at the restart. Jonathan George in the blue and yellow. And is that McCusker that gets up high? That was no, that was no, that locked up on the outside. Lost a couple of positions. McCusker a little bit further back. And there's that great run. George trying to get that lap back. Yeah, but uh, be careful there not to push the issue too Look hard. Look at all the lockup that we see. Oh, and there was contact there, yes. a car up the inside. We saw the 51 go off, but from that view, you can tell it was not Garrett Grist's issue. He was actually hit by another car that was in the middle. Somebody came up the inside. Garrett Grist, uh, he's brought that car onto pit lane. 51 being serviced on pit lane right now. Alberico. Leads, then McCusker, Jonathan George, but George a lap down. McCusker about five seconds, right at five seconds behind Alberico. There goes Garrett Grist rejoining. So he's he's still on, uh, well, on the same lap as all the cars from third on back. So he'll be in the 12th position overall, uh, but uh, from third to 12th, all one lap down to the two race leading cars. Number four of Neil Alberico, number 47 of Austin McCusker. Right at. A half hour to go for Neil Alberico. What would a victory mean to this young man? Steps yeah. in to this car, limited laps, didn't get the chance to qualify. Leo Lamellis, a good run in the opening stint from the green flag, handed over to Alberico. Alberico will do a double stint to the end. Two car with a penalty for full service in closed pits. That's going to be a stop plus four minutes. Ouch. And there's the 74. You can come into a closed pit and do emergency service, but you can't come in and do full service. Let things settle down just a bit. And McCusker dropping. Well, that's mainly because he's got a whole bunch right. of cars in between himself and the race leader, and they're all battling for third, fourth, fifth, and sixth as a one, two, three, four-car train uh, with the number 64, 60, 75, and 11. They are battling over third position. And the problem is he's right there in it, and That's they're all right. running similar lap yes, times, indeed. and they could care less that he wants by. <laughs> That's right. That is not on their agenda yeah, at all. Yeah. It, 
We talk a lot about being patient and understanding where you are in the race. Well, guess what? We're inside a half hour to go, and they're battling for a podium spot. Meanwhile, while that takes place, Alberico through the bus stop once again. 47 in there, trying to move forward, but having a difficult time. It almost looks like the cars in front are beginning to pull away just a little bit. McCusker has to be frustrated. He sees those four yeah. or five cars out in front. But at the same time, uh, Neil Alberico, at this stage at least, isn't planning, isn't, well, he's hoping to do the full championship, but this deal came together literally at the last moment, just last week, side by side for a uh, position there is uh, Alex Barron and... I think it may have been Casimus. And Casimus, it was, yes. Not sure who came out ahead, actually. There's McCusker. I think it was Casimus just. Through turn two. And the gap stayed the same that time by. McCusker has to get through this traffic, which is not going to be easy. You can see it in front of him. They're all running very similar lap times. If he wants to get to Neil Alberico, there are one, two, three, four, five cars in front that he's going to have to clear, and that is not going to be an easy feat by any stretch of the imagination. But like you said, you know, you've got to take stock of what it is that you know you're doing in the championship. If you're Austin McCusker and you're going to run the entire championship and perhaps the guy that's out in front of you isn't, well, you no, think championship. Yeah, that's my point, absolutely. I mean, Neil, I'd say the deal came together well, certainly less than a week ago, uh, and uh, so uh, it's far from guaranteed to be able to run the full championship. We've seen in the past the Anson Motorsports, they've had uh, guest drivers come in, uh, win races, Nico uh, Jamine, for one, who's here this weekend coaching for Anza, by the way, uh, he, uh, but he wasn't able to, to do the full season either. So for Austin McCusker at this stage, hey, look, second place will do just fine. He was trying to decide a month or so ago whether to come back here with 47 Motorsports and go for the championship or to take an opportunity to go to Europe to, to race in the, uh, in the uh, European Le Mans series, also in LMP3. I think this is a right decision for Austin McCusker. As Alberico comes by the line one more time, still at the back of this train, is the 47 of McCusker. But, you know, for Alberico as well as Ansa Motorsports, it goes back to looking at it going, what can we do for this young man? He just put us out in front and gave us a race victory. Is there anything that we can do? Is there no. anything that we can help with? to put him in the seat one more time. And championships have been built that way. You've seen it over the years, one race at a time. Yeah, I get that race, and I, I find a little bit more so I can come back for the next one and a little bit more for the next one. And there have been championships won that way. So There's some super battles going on here, aren't there? Really, really good. Uh, the uh, That battle for, for uh, what is now third place, Tony's Kazimitz has got himself back ahead then. And, of uh, Jonathan George, Alex Barron, James French, and Nico Ronde. So it's a 60, uh, 70, 64, 75, and 11 nose to tail there. Those are the cars that are lined up behind Neil Albrico, who's making his escape at the front of the field. He's just turned his best lap of the race again, continuing where he was uh, leaving off through that first uh, magnificent first stint for the Californian. Well, Austin McCusker just got by Jonathan George, but it looked almost too easy to me. I wonder if George has a problem. He had been involved in that battle, that five-car group, and all of a sudden, he's dropped. He probably, oh, yes. He's dropped back a little bit, does he? I mean, 
McCusker made it look easy going into the West Horseshoe. And Jonathan George is a pretty heads-up driver. Well, yeah, I think he realizes that he's not. That's not a, a battle for him. If he can, if uh, if the car behind him is quicker, McCusker is a little bit quicker. Just let him go, and I'll concentrate on my race. Because certainly for for the number uh, 70 car, Jonathan George. He and Joel Janko, their focus here this weekend is to win the all-bronze class, and they are in position to do that right now with number 33 car of Lance Wilsey pretty much at the back yep. of that pack of the car, of cars uh, just one lap down to the overall leader. Just interesting, though, the way that transpired, and he just dropped well back and was True. several seconds off on the pace on that lap. So have to keep an eye on it yeah. it may be like you said they're just saying hey let's be smart about this and that not get involved in something we don't need to be involved with but perhaps too that 70 a little bit off song we'll keep an eye on the lap times and see car 11 now with a penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct it's actually just a warning i wonder what that was about number 11 that's nico, nico Rondé. <laughs> the uh Long-time uh, race school driving instructor. <laughs> do what I say, not what well, I do. <laughs> Notice I'm not saying a lot because I I don't want you do the same. Thing I don't, yeah, right, yes. there there are certainly skeletons in my closet as far as some of that <laughs> stuff goes. We don't need to talk about right. We'll gloss over some of those. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, talk about the good job that he's been doing because that's Scarlet that was started by Mo Smith. Mo had a difficult start to the race, making uh, his uh, professional debut. Uh, this weekend, he uh, he, he did uh, the uh, Michelin Sebring Encore at the end of last year to get ready for this season with the Sim, uh, Sim Raceway Motorsport team. And Mo did a really good job to get the car back up into contention by the end of his stint, handed over to, to uh, Nico, had a lot of ground to make up to be now to be challenging what was effectively for third position in that battle, at least for third, represented an excellent first time out for Simway Ro uh, Sim Raceway Motorsports. Neil Alberico through turns one and two one more time. Just inside, 23 minutes to go. Austin McCusker continues to lose ground, and Alberico continues to stretch. It's, I almost feel like Austin can't he, – he's got good lap times. They're almost matching Alberico's, but he's got those three cars in the middle and just cannot get by him. And perhaps, as you said, Jeremy – cooler heads are going to prevail and he's just saying you know what let's just run what we've got here let's make sure yeah. that you know we can come away with some good points for the championship because a long way to go to get there i'm not saying you you give up and you back off and let them go but just kind of one of those deals where you have to be realistic about what you've got on a particular day Good lap by Tony's Chasm at last time around. His best lap of the race so far in column 60 in third place, 144.884. It's an impressive lap. It is. Go to the 44 flat, which is a new lap record that Kenton Cook set earlier just before that final and fateful pit stop for the 10, 44 flat. But all these guys that are down there around it with best laps down in the mid to low 144 minute and 44 second range. Impressive. And we talked about it early in the show. We talked about it in qualifying yesterday, the level of driver skill here and professionalism. Haven't seen 
a lot of incidents. We've seen a couple of spins, nothing that was out of the ordinary, mistakes that you're used to seeing, some cold tire situations and that kind of stuff, but some real good heads-up driving and some hard, hard-nosed racing, which is great to see. It's all been clean. I haven't seen blocking. I haven't seen dirty driving or anything like that. It's all been good up to this point in time. Notice I threw that caveat in there. <laughs> yeah, with just over 20 minutes remaining then in this three-hour Scouts of America event, Neil Abrico is uh, stretching away now. Seven and a half seconds lead over the number 47 of uh, Austin McCusker. He's still got uh, what four cars, I think, between himself and the race leader. He has closed in a little bit there on Alex Barron just in front. So it, on these last couple of laps, he's seemed to have made just a little bit of ground. Kazimitz with his best lap, as you said, James French also. Yeah. Who made up a, la a play position on that last lap. He was able to find a way past Alex Barron. So James French in car number 75 sharing that car with Cameron Castles, who uh, had a bit of, had a quick spin, I think, didn't he, in, in the middle of his stint, but otherwise done a did a really, really good job. And James French continuing that, moving up into fourth position in car number 75 at the expense of Alex Barron. And Jonathan George, who had been up in that fray, dropped back a little bit. His lap time had dropped back to a 1 minute and 49 second range, has now gone back up into the 146s where he was earlier. So back to a, a, a more consistent pace. So perhaps just some type of a small problem on that lap. Um, maybe something in the car set him off just a couple of seconds. That's when we saw the 47 get by and and move forward Austin McCusker and now Jonathan George back to the pace that he was running earlier no position lost there for Alex Barron as Nico Ronde moves up into fifth place in car number 11 he's got uh, probably a second and a half or so to make up on uh, James French who's next in line but it's Tony Kazimitz who is in second in third position overall the best of the cars one lap down to our overall race leader he's got about three seconds in hand over James French and then uh, Behind the car number 75 is the uh, battling number 11 and 64, with 11 just having uh, taken that position. Closing down in the final minutes of the first race of the 2019 IMSA Championship season. The 50th anniversary of IMSA, the 2019 IMSA Prototype Challenge Scouts of America, three hour from Daytona International Speedway, where Neil Alberico out in front. Austin McCusker in his Norma chassis doing everything he can do to try to get back to Neil Alberico. But since that last restart with the lapped cars that were between Alberico and McCusker, it's just been a long road to hoe for Austin McCusker. He can't really seem to make much ground. Someone slowed coming off of the bus stop, and McCusker flew by. But he's still got a long way to go about eight and a half seconds. It was down inside six seconds right after the restart. And Neil Alberico with just an exceptional drive on his second stint, double stinted. He got in on the first pit stop and has stayed in the car ever since then. We talk about with his limited experience still learning every lap and just an exemplary drive so far has not put a wheel wrong. Had a problem in qualifying yesterday with an engine and had to change engines. They missed qualifying. They started at the back, and they did exactly what they needed to do. They had a plan. They stuck with it. 
there's, there's battles been there's been battles all the way up and down the field all the way through this race there's a good one now just heading out of the east horseshoe between number 19 uh which is uh, kyle masson and aaron right ahead of him the red well, sorry, actually they've just changed positions Aaron povoledo in car number 25 so i think uh Carl masson has just made that made that uh, that pass that is for eighth and ninth positions Remember, Pavlito had a great run early on, was battling up in the top five or six. Yeah. But Masan, another one of those young drivers who right. understands prototype racing. Yeah, and another guy who had his, had his focus on uh, prototype racing right from the, pretty much the start of his, of his career. Did some uh, skip, skip barber racing and then uh, set his sights on the prototype challenge series which he won in 2016 james french there in the 75 and i was talking to him a little bit earlier about this lmp3 based prototype challenge machine versus the prototype two car the lmp2 car that he runs in the weathertech sports car championship and what he said i could just see he said the platforms are very different and the damper package the shock package is very different this car moves up and down on the bumps through the bus stop where the p2 car doesn't and as i watched that 75 come through the bus stop that last time you could really see the movement in the chassis that he had talked about and there's a look at the 60 the 60 of tony's Casimets, third right now the final podium spot a lap down to the leader alberico but a good run for Casimets. You think about Wolver Racing, Scott Maxwell in that middle stint who hadn't been in a prototype in a long time. He put some good laps in. And Bruce Hamilton, you have to give credit to him as well. This is a, a team deal. All three drivers, if you're going to run three drivers, all three of them have to contribute and keep the car in contention. And Hamilton certainly did that. In the three-hour races, you can run as many as three drivers. Yep. Indeed. Did you just mention that Tony's just set no, the fastest? No, I did not. He's just set the fastest lap of the race, as Tony's. He's Whoa. got the race leader in his sights as they head toward the bus stop. Uh, that uh, it's the race leader uh, at the head of this this twosome. But uh, Tony's Kazimitz is in third position overall, uh, but trying to get his lap back again. He's just set the fastest lap of the race, so he's eclipsed that lap. So you set the earlier by Kenton Cook at one minute forty-four point zero two one for the. Uh, well, Estonian. He's, he's a nationalized American now, <laughs> but originally from uh, Estonia is Tony's Kazimitz, and he is charging. So, and, uh, uh, and uh, Neil Alberico here, there's no point in batting. Yeah, I think he's going to let him go around the outside. Is he? Yes. Yep. Tucks in behind him. Smart move by Neil Alberico. Let him go. Let him go. Let him go. I could hear it on the radio from up here, and I don't even have a radio. <laughs> So a yeah. 44 flat and a 44 flat. It was a 44.089 that Kenton Cook turned in. That was the new lap record just before the second pit stop. And then Kazimitz just answered back six one-thousandths of a second faster. Yeah. Love it. Six one-hundredths. I'm sorry. Love it. Alberico McCusker. Kazimitz and the gap between Alberico and McCusker continues to expand. Not much, just a tenth or two at a time. In fact, you look at the last lap for both of those drivers, it was literally about two tenths of a second that separated the two. But you keep adding two tenths and two tenths and two tenths, and before yeah. long it's another second, and then it's two, and 
And that's exactly what Neil Albarico has done. Can't say enough for his drive. We've talked about his limited experience, and he hasn't put a wheel wrong. The lap times have been amazingly consistent. Yeah. Yeah, his there's, there's, last uh, four laps, four, one minute 45.25, 45.23, 45.15, 45.17 for our race leader, Neil Alberico, in car number four. Saw some debris get hit in the bus stop. I'm not sure if McCusker got a part of it or not. It looked like perhaps a small piece of carbon fiber, something like that. But the problem with that is those will cut down tires easily. The other thing that will cut down tires if you run on them a lot is the curbing, the apex curbing in the bus stop. If you get on the back side of it, you can damage the inside shoulder of those right side tires. So you have to be a bit careful about that. McCusker just in front of him. Is that the 64? Valix Barron that he's going to try to get by. Trying to close down, there's the seven, Campos, and there back to the 47 of McCusker. Fuel should not be an issue for any of these drivers. The one that I would think be the most concerned about, it was the four that stopped the earliest, was it not? Yeah, there, but only on the first uh, round of pit stops. He, 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 he did a good job of conserving who fuel. Who was the, the first car stint. on the second pit stop? Uh, number 60. Gotcha. Which is Tony's chasm, which yep. was running in the uh, third position. But uh, I think that was... It was it right was on the outside of the window. It was, it was, right. was going to be an hour one, hour two to run. And we had heard 57, 58 minutes. Yeah, you're right. And the, the next car onto pit lane after number 60 was number 70, one lap later. And then the number 11 uh, was one lap after that. And the reason why I asked Jeremy Shaw these detailed questions is because he's still the only person I know at this point in time that can actually keep an, a lap chart by hand. With all the technology that exists, Jeremy has drawn out his lap chart before the race and keeps one all the time. Old habits die hard, right? <laughs> you, you could probably, with a single stopwatch, time the entire field as well. Yeah, yeah half the field? Yeah, 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 as many as I need to. <laughs> Funny, actually, I was doing as at the uh, at the uh, Maserati Windy Shootout just fairly recently, and there was no official score in there. I wasn't there in an official capacity, but I wanted to see how the kids were doing. So there it was. I was timing with, just with a with a with a, uh, a cheap watch, uh, doing lap times. Uh, a digital do, doing the math. Yeah, digital, but doing the math to uh, figure out uh, yeah. the lap times. Great, great fun it was. Too. I hadn't done that for years. It was really good fun. I had to go, actually I had to go, go go to a Target and buy myself a. Uh, uh, a $20 uh, <laughs> digital watch to do so. <laughs> I, it's the the doing math with time to me is, is very confusing. Nico Ronde, who was warned earlier about sportsmanship, I'm still not sure what that was about as still hanging there on the rear wing of James French in the 75 just right in front, both Ligier chassis. Ronde, another one of those guys that we talked about, exceptional driver coach, good experience, helping his co-driver Smith. They had some problems early on, rebounded from them. Yep. James, French, James French doing the same thing with Cameron Castles. 
Well, Bruco, by the way, our race leader, he's t t tucked in behind Tony Scazzo. He's just turned his best lap of the race, a 144.90. Really nice drive. That's been just a good, measured, consistent drive by Neil Albrico. The team put him in the position, it put him in, in this position to be where he is right now. He hasn't really needed to battle with anybody other than that the restart where he had a couple of guys trying to get a lap back on him. But uh, he's turned good, consistent laps and, uh, you know, just a, a sensible pace. Inside, 10 minutes to go. Nine minutes, 12 seconds for Neil Alberico looking for his first IMSA victory. And what a victory it would be. His first IMSA start, too. Yeah, absolutely. To win at Daytona International Speedway would be huge. And to take a victory here in the IMSA Prototype Challenge category, as Jeremy Shaw just said, in his first IMSA start would be quite the feat. He's done a great job since taking over the ANSA Motorsports Ligier chassis. The double stint to the checkered flag. Just over eight minutes to go. Austin McCusker doing everything he can on that restart. Just way too much lap traffic in front. Still trying to work through some of that traffic. Now the gap, ten and a half seconds to Alberico, but a long way to go. We've seen problems for other cars on track. It's never over. You press to the end. That's exactly what Tonis Kazimitz who runs in the third position is doing, just set a new lap record well into his stint on board the number 60 Ligier. So Kazimitz on a charge. And we've seen all different levels of experience today. Great performances by teams, drivers, staying focused, few mistakes and Anytime you come to Daytona and the weather is this good, especially on a weekend with the crowd that we have here for the roar, it's a pretty special one. Across the tri-oval one more time. Alberico still leading as battles continue around. That's the 47, the black Norma of Austin McCusker trying to move forward, but slipping every lap just a little bit further away from Neil Alberico. It's the 64 just in front. That car is a lap down. It's Alex Barron, who's on board the 64 right now. There's your leader, Neil Alberico. Jeremy, what do you do as a young driver when you, if you hold on for this next six minutes and 50 seconds, you take that checkered flag? You've got a while before the next round at Sebring. You've got time to take that victory if you're Neil Alberico and try to go sell it. Yeah, that, that's exactly what he's got to do, and uh, he, he's got to raise the funding. He doesn't have, he doesn't really have any funding himself at all these days. He's a former winner of the Team USA scholarship. Was taken up by the uh, Rising Stars Motorsport program as well. It's helped uh, Joseph Newgarn, Spencer Piat get all the way up into the IndyCar series. Neil Alberico was, has been part of that program for several years, but they've they're not really. Uh, handing out the money these days so he's got to find it himself and he's working really really hard to do that he's found uh, he made this race happen and he's going to be working super hard now he's going to redouble his efforts to make sure he continue uh, this uh, this form and continue in the championship and certainly as you were saying a little while ago uh, alan nadal at uh, Ansa motorsports he's going to be working awfully hard to make something happen as well well because as a team owner you want yeah. a driver like that in your car it can help you 
bring other drivers into your program as well. So you want to be able to build the strongest stable that you can, all while maintaining a business. It does take money to literally make the wheels go around. So really a puzzle that you've got to put together there as McCusker continues to try to get past the 64 of Alex Barron and Alberico working past the 86 of Dave House. Been a couple of posi positions uh, changes over the last few laps, also with, with the uh, number 11 car of Nico Ronde moving past James French into fourth position in car number 11 now. So it's Tony Kazimitz who's in third place. Uh, the last car on the lead lap having uh, overtaken the Alberico uh, five or six laps ago, and uh, second place uh, on his on his own now, fully 11 seconds behind the race through is Austin McCusker in four, car number 47. But Nico Ronde up to fourth ahead now. James French, Alex Barron is uh, running still in sixth position and behind him Mikhail Masson is just uh, on this uh, last couple of laps has moved past Jonathan George into uh, seventh position in kind of a 19 so Jonathan George now in uh, number 70 is in eighth place but he's still uh, in a, a good enough position to be able to look at the all bronze equivalent of the old masters class from a few years ago with the number 33 Carl Lance Wilsey uh, three positions further back in 11th place in number 33. Closing in on four minutes to go this time by as Neil Alberico comes through the tribal across the start-finish line. The longest he's ever been in a race car, I'm sure. It'll be yeah. two hours at the drop of the checkered flag running that double stent. So the, a, lot of, a lot of firsts for Neil Alberico this weekend. Indeed, and I, I think there's his last win would have been back in the uh, in the Pro Mazda Championship in the middle rung of the Mazda Road to India. That was back in 2015 when he finished uh, second in the championship. So it's been a while for Neil, uh, but uh, this will be uh, this will be a very emotional time for him. I'm not going to give it to him yet. I've no. seen that happen before, and I'm I'm not going to do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna be really stingy and hold out giving him the win until the car goes across the line. Oh, thank but you. Good. right now everything going just as it should. It'll be interesting at the end of this race if he holds on to, to get his thoughts. Obviously, a victory would be incredibly special, but a new take on motorsports for him, as we've yeah. said, a very different look from what he's used to doing. For Austin McCusker, if he holds on, he's thinking championship. He's come close to it before, so what's it going to take to get one this time? He had two wins, two second places, finished second in the championship last year. So he knows he needs to collect all the points along the way. And I think that's what we've seen in the latter going here, a very smart, measured drive by that young man, only 20 years old, saying, hey, it's, I want to win when I can, but if not, I'm going to take as many points with me as I go. And yeah, I completely agree. He'll have his uh, 21st birthday in, uh, where are we now? In less, a couple less of days. Than two weeks yeah. for Austin McCusker. So he'll be 21 when we come back Jeez. for the Rolex 24. And what a great race to win if you're Neil Alberico. It's the first race of the 50th anniversary season for IMSA. And we talked about that when you think back to the origins of this series and where it all started. Think back to John Bishop and Bill France Sr. who envisioned sports car racing 
in North America and what it should be. And obviously it's gone through iterations throughout the years and throughout the decades, but um, in great hands and with a great vision to the future. And you look at the different series that run underneath the IMSA banner, there's something for almost everyone, depending on what it is that you want to do as a problem for the 86. Dave House. Looks like he left a piece of carbon fiber back there somewhere. That was in the International Horseshoe. But to say that you won the first event of the 50th anniversary season is pretty special. You won it at Daytona, the first event of the 50th anniversary season, your first IMSA start. Pretty magic stuff. Closing in on a minute to go, just under a minute. Alberico through NASCAR, three and four. He'll have to do one more lap because he'll cross the line with, oh, 35, 40 seconds left to go. And here he comes, white flag waves. And I'm sure the crew on the radio is saying, just do what you've been doing for the last two hours. Yep, no need to uh, set a lap record on the last lap, but just bring it home. And when you look at that, there's really only one more lap car in front that he should have to deal with at all on this lap. You see it there coming out of the International Horseshoe. In front of that car, there's literally nothing until turn six. So there's only one if he closes in and catches it. It's a matter of just focus forward, just as he's done for the last two hours. And really hats off to all the competitors, all kinds of stories throughout the top five. Lap record for Tonise Kazimitz there in third, Austin, Austin McCusker doing what he's done throughout last season, being consistent, turning in good performances, being smart, thinking championship. Yeah, what a great drive also for that uh, number 60 team. Looking like they're going to come home with a third position here with Tony's Kazimitz. We talked about it earlier on. He was the first of the leading cars to make his final pit stop with just over an hour remaining. So he's going to be fairly tight on fuel here, but he's done a, a really excellent job. It was uh, Bruce, Bruce Hamilton who started the, the team principal here for Wolver Racing. Wolver, by the way, is a, uh, effectively a Scottish werewolf. And that car has been uh, beautifully driven. Some days it all goes well. It all goes according to plan. Yesterday it did not in qualifying. Today it did as Neil Alberico and some Motorsports Ligier see the checkered flag and they take it at Daytona. The first win for Neil Alberico in his IMSA career, in his first start, the first race of the 50th anniversary season for IMSA, and it couldn't have happened in more spectacular fashion. The weather absolutely perfect here at the Roar and a great crowd on hand to witness it. There are going to be big-time celebrations. As you said, Jeremy, his last victory, you think back in Star Mazda? Yeah, I think so. In uh, 2015, uh, he's had a, he had a difficult time in Indy Lights over the last uh, couple of three years. Years, Nothing really went his way. Had some podium finishes, but that was about it. I think his last win was, uh, was at Mid-Ohio uh, over three, three years ago. Well, congratulations to Neil Alberico, Leo Lamellis, Anson Motorsports, a great run, and Austin McCusker, great drive, Tonys Kazimitz, and... When you look forward into this season, think about the number 10 from Robillard Racing, Kenton Cook, 
had a lap record in there at one point in time. Stephen McAleer, a great drive, and then they had their problems. They're going to end up well back in 17th. Disappointing for them, but we saw good stories, good racing throughout the field today, and it just gives us a view into the future of how good this championship is going to be in 2019. Yeah, super exciting first round. I think there has been some tremendous racing all the way through the race. Shame about the timing of that, uh, those full course cautions. They certainly broke up the battle for the lead, but take nothing away from Ansa Motorsports. Alan Zell, that entire organization, uh, they put Neil Albrico in the position. They, they, they figured out that that was early enough for him to make that pit stop and one more to get to the end of the race with even if there had been no additional caution periods. So they, it was then that put him in the position. The timing then of the second caution period was perfect for them, and Neil Alberico brought it home from there. But hats off to Alberico and to Leo Lamellis and the entire Ansa Motorsports team. Thank you very much to Brian and to Jeremy. Brian Till and Jeremy Shaw, who'll be the voices of the IMSA Prototype Challenge for the whole of the IMSA 50th anniversary season. To the victors, the spoils. In this case, it is the chequered flag on the hallowed pit lane here at Daytona International Speedway. Answer, get the first win of this 2019 season. Great to see Enorma on the podium as well as Neil Alberico uh, heading towards the victory circle, issuing the opportunity to uh, put the chequered flag outside of the driver's window. All of the races this year, you'll be able to see live and in their entirety on IMSA TV. Listen to them on IMSA radio. No breaks, no blocks. And if you joined that one late and you're in the United States, it will be the 15th of January, NBCSN, 5 o'clock for the highlights. And that will include Jeremy and Brian's race call for that race, the opener for this season. Just being announced that all of the developmental series will be airing on NBCSN with highlights programmes even closer to race date than ever before. 15th of Jan. Uh, 5 p.m. on uh, Eastern Time on NBCSN for the race that is just completed. There's going to be a bit of a party from the Ansa Motorsports team as the red, white and black takes the black and white checkered flag and goes in to pit lane, into victory circle and into the record books. They're the answer to the quiz question. Who won the first race of the IMSA 50th anniversary season? And the answer is answer. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. And I hope you enjoy the rest of the season. We've got more coming up live later on this afternoon on IMSA Radio. Daytona International Speedway has kicked it off with some side-by-side -side paint trading, spin and rejoin action once again, living up to its reputation as the world centre of racing and the home of speed. From IMSA Radio and IMSA TV, bye-bye from the sunshine in Florida. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.